Don's been a good friend of mine for a long time now. Out of college, he was my trainer. Um, and not just trainer, a real a real mentor of mine uh, for, for many reasons, not just being a guru in the fitness world and being a, a celebrity trainer for some of the best in the world um, and the most recognized, but uh, a mentor for who he is as a person and, and a family man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it was a really exciting episode to to reminisce about the times that we've had at at the masters and um stories of him training me and at drive 495 the gym that he started in new york city and um his certifications with tpi and and, uh connections with the golf world and um we started the the episode right before with a amazing workout which i'm sure you had a great take from well and i'm still recovering from it frankly even (laughs) months later but Don was really neat to get to know. I mean, he has an incredible passion and aura about him and how he carries himself every day and the way he's built such a beautiful family with his wife and kids and really just lives in an incredibly honorable way. Uh, And I think has a lot of lessons that he passed on in this conversation and frankly, some very motivational ones too. So I think uh, this will be a really fun one for everybody to tune into. I love learning about how you guys, you know, got, got to work together, especially you know, after your diagnosis and how much he was there for you in that. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be very evident uh, for everyone in this to see how deeply Don cares about people and uh, ultimately cares about sharing his passion with others too. So enjoy this episode and stay tuned. Don, thank you so much for having us at Morgan, our thank you. house here. This <laughs> is it. so awesome. I love this, man. Man, this is, uh, so good. this is really cool. It's just like really special to reconnect, first of all. Um, this kind of started as, hey, I want to come work out at your new spot, the barn, yes. at your house here in Long Island. And then kind of uh, somehow morphed into this podcast. And it's just like all meant to be, I think. Hopefully we're going to have an awesome conversation to kind of highlight where you've been in your life and how you've got to where you are and um, show some people how to be motivated because I know you've done that with me in my life. And um, Well, you didn't need much help, though. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't need much help. So I think in the last two hours, Jeg might have been a little motiva- motivated on, on this, uh, this last workout here. Yeah, definitely. I think our best start to a pod is coming in hot off a workout and pumping each other up and feeling the energy, dude. It's, uh, it's pretty electric. It's always better after a workout, right? It's like, no matter what, it just changes your, you know, you said it earlier, it changes your physiology. Mm-hmm. We started the session off today with some breathing, which was, you know, something that you were implementing in. I'm like, let's go with it, right? And it's just, it's always good to connect with good people, especially when they're aligned with you, so. And you, you said something that was really cool too, when we finished the breath work, you go, man, you always forget how hard that is. Mm-hmm. And it's true, it's well, true. I hadn't done it in a minute and then right away just, boom, you start into that breath work and it's hard. It's hard work. And it's something we all have innately. And that is one of the most important things in life or of life to be breathing and just the power in it and the accessibility that everybody has with it and how um, how many different modalities of breath work that there are. Uh, and today we did one that was seven minutes long 
and but we felt energized and pumped up and it went like this yeah and it went so quickly you're you're tingling after and we're all in a good mood going forward to get a a jacked hypertrophy workout in the dawn special no i love it but i also feel like you have to do things every day that get you a bit uncomfortable yeah and i think that's the problem with most of us is that we're always doing things that are in you know our comfort zone and because it's comfortable. It's just like, okay, I'm used to this and I'm gonna go after that, I'm gonna run three miles or I'm gonna do things that feel good. And that's fine, but you know, are you really excelling? And I know what the three of us have in common is we always wanna get better, right? Like we always wanna improve. And I think that's one of the special things in life, like to be more successful, to love more, to, to be stronger, to be more mobile, to be better at golf, whatever it is, like getting better is, I think is one of the best joys of life, it really is. I was like, we were talking about creating that armor on ourselves mm-hmm. obviously it can be um a real case of physical body armor with muscles as you get older or as you're trying to uh to get stronger but also that armor that you create mentally when you're pushing yourself through those boundaries pushing yourself through the past few sets or the last few sets and maybe in a time where you don't think you can do it or you have someone there like you helping you push through it um to, to go back on your point about comfort, that's something that I talk to everybody that I come across about is that there's no part of life where you can sit on your couch and, and get better, really. Like, you're not gonna be sitting around doing nothing and getting better at your dream. You have to go through those uncomfortable times to be find a way to find comfort in the uncomfort. 100%. And that's how I found at least to keep chugging away and ch- like each step getting better and better. But you also surrounded yourself. I mean, a, a word that you always use is team, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's I, I've gotten a lot of help in my life, right? I, I just have, like I've had a lot of times where things did not go my way and you know, I'm running to mentors or clients or friends like, oh man, I need help right now. Like I'm in, you know, we're in, we're in trouble. And I think that's okay. I think that also allows you to really respect when things are good and really appreciate when things are good. But it's also, you know, you understand that things couldn't go bad. And um, my, I think my favorite quote ever was every time in life I was feeling rejected, I was being redirected to something better. And, um, you know, you and I, you know, we've had a long run together. I mean, everything that you've gone through, or at the moment, it seemed like the most negative thing, and you found a way to spin it into something positive. And, you know, literally like trying to change the world like you are like we are right we like that's something i've always tried to do in fitness fitness for me was never about like taking my shirt off and looking a certain way like like at a young age i wanted to be the modern day jacqueline like i wanted to be the guy that people were like wow he he made a difference he was someone that motivated me to get off the couch he changed my life he did he allowed me to do x y and z or i'm the reason why i went after this like i wanted to be that person and you know, I think when you kind of look at your career, your life like that, it becomes somewhat of a mission. Sure. Yeah, I think like it's a it's a unique chair for me to sit in today with you guys, given your incredible friendship and brotherhood, right? You guys have known each other for how long? You know what, 2010? Yeah, so 14 years. Yeah, yeah 13, 14 years, yeah, 14 years. And in those years, years, the most yeah. incredible journeys and stories and can't wait to dive into those today, just... Got a lot of them. As a third party that gets to come in here and meet you for the first time today. I mean, I've heard about you for the longest time and, you know, watched your stuff on social media and and I'm inspired just being around you this morning and the energy and your intention and just how fired up you are to help us get better today. And 
I think, you know, maybe before we dive into, you know, your guys' story together, you know, talk about, you know, the early days in your life was, what was the motivation early in life? Was it sports that first got you, you know, fired up and uh, motivated and getting into, you know, working on your body or what was kind of what first kicked things off for you? I think I kicked off for me in the second grade, which sounds kind wow. of funny. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had a big time hearing problem. I had a stutter. I had to go in for massive ear surgery and couldn't like form a sentence. And back then they would put you in classes like special ed classes where you'd go in with a small group, which today they would never do because they would never have a class of five kids roll out of a room in front of three classrooms. So suddenly we're the, the stupid kids and you know, they're all the normal ones. So I think at a young age, I was coming home and I was, I was pretty bummed out. I was looking at my mom and I was like, oh man, like I want to beat this guy up or I want to, you know, I was having a lot of trouble coping with anger at that time. And so I went in for a surgery on my uh, ears. I had tubes put in my ears. Uh, ironically, I saw the surgeon the other day who did my surgery. No way. Yeah, probably 39 years ago. And he, he looked at me, we started laughing. We gave each other a hug. We definitely got, I got, I got a bit choked up. And uh, wow. um, I think it started for me then because I remember my father was a really good baseball player growing up and um, he worked in catering. So kind of this blue collar mentality where my father was always working weekends and in the restaurant business, they were bringing me to work at a really young age. So I understood at a young age what customer service was. And I sure as hell knew what hard work was because it was like, we were working in this catering hall where it was like hustle, hustle, hustle from 10 a.m. to, I was working some mornings till three in the morning on the weekends at 12, 13 years old. I mean, my old man was bringing me in and they believed that that was really important. Here in Long Island, right? Here in Long Island. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but backing up, I remember I, I went out, I started playing ball with my dad and um, went out to the, uh, to the school one day. There was a, a recess game, baseball. Finally, they were playing baseball and I was like, oh, okay. So I went in and I just cleaned up. And I remember going in and just everyone was like, oh my God, like, and I came home and I was just like, I was like, watch, I was like, we had a game today. I, like, I, basically at a young age, I was telling her like how well I did. I was like, I was by far the best person out there. Like, I'm good at something. She looked at me and she's like, you're gonna be good at a lot of things, but just go after what you love. Like, you, do you love this? And I said, yeah. She's like, then go after it. And I remember that to me was probably one of the most two valuable things that she taught me beside love and all the great things that my parents did for me. Um, I'll give you the other one later on. But I remember at, at that point, I started becoming athletic, but everything was behind baseball. It's like, swim team, get stronger at baseball. Soccer, be better at baseball. Hockey, I liked hockey, but I was like, oh, my legs will get better for baseball. And then I started working out, lifting weights at 16 years old. And um, I remember coming into school in the 10th grade, so I was about 16. And I remember all the girls were like, oh my God, like what happened to you? <laughs> and I'm like wait a second, like I can get better at baseball doing this and I can get the attention of, of girls? Like, okay, sign me up. Bang. So um, out of nowhere, I had all these motivations and um, you know, I went off to play Division One baseball and had a really successful collegiate career. I was super excited about my four years. What college? Uh, uh, Secret Heart University in Fairfield. And um, you know, I had a couple tryouts after, but as I was going to these tryouts, tryout with the Mets, the Mariners, I remember going to these tryouts being like, when am I gonna get my workout in? Like I'm not like I'm thinking about the tryout. I'm psyched about the tryout. I'm not nervous, but I'm like more concerned with the workout. Like when when am I getting my workouts in? And I had to go to this independent tryout and I got picked up to play over in Europe and finally I got a job as a trainer. And I was so stoked to be in fitness now professionally. And um actually backing that backing that up really quickly. I'm I'm having a conversation with my mom. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with, with my life. And I'm like, I gotta find something in fitness. 
And she's like, well, what about these trainers? And I'm like, yeah, but they don't make money. She's like, don't worry about money. Follow what you love. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right? It's coming back to the That's same so thing, good. right? Because mom is... Yeah, she's, she's, she's the best. Like, I can't even talk about it without getting like, you know. <laughs> she's but she's like, follow what you love. You're going to be successful. So like at that moment, I remember it was just this like weight that came off my back. I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to do in my life. Like I was 21 years old. I'm like, I'm going to be a coach. So I went in New York City and I drove around the city. I did not know. There was no navigation. There was no iPhones. I think I had a beeper on my hip, 1999. And um, didn't know north, south, east from west, even though I was from New York. Lived in Long Island, a little bit different. And um, I was in a suit and I had my resume and I pulled off at like a place called Crunch and a place called New York Sport Club and a place that was that called Equinox. And I got hired at every place. And um, I remember going home that night and being like, I, I chose where I'm working. I'm going to go work at this place called Equinox. At the time, it was, you know, a young club and ex-NFL players were there and, you know, people working on their PhDs, et cetera. And so I, I really kind of joined this family. And um, that's when my career started, but never understanding that it was going to go the way that it went because, you know, like we talked about earlier, what I'm doing now didn't exist back in 1999. Like you can try and have your 20-year business plan and you can try and have your path. What I do now wasn't around back in 99 like there was no digital media there was no paid spend there was no you know virtual teaching fitness retreats what was that i just had 150 people from over 30 countries like that that didn't exist back then so to have that type of reach as a coach now um is you know was something that back then no one was doing and um so to be doing what i'm doing now i really attribute a lot of it to those negative things that I thought were the, the worst things in the world for me back in the second grade. Now it's like when you think about, well, I'm going to take that away from you. What if I was to make you normal in the second grade? I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like you're going to change the entire trajectory of my life. Like you'd ruin everything for, for me. So now I look back on it as, again, for every time in life you feel like you're being rejected, you're being redirected to exactly. something better. And that's something I really attribute. It's a great to. perspective for kids who are listening to this, like no matter how old you are, even adults, like there's no normal isn't cool. To, to, no, to I mean, like, it's boring. You want, <laughs> it's boring. Don't follow in footsteps, like make your own footsteps. Like everything that the hardships that you go through are going to be where your strength comes from yeah. at some point in your life. You're going to find an answer. That's why like I've been doing so much experimentation on my body with plant medicine, with diets, with fasting, with training. And it's like, you try to find those hard things that are hard for you specifically because you want to be able to learn a lesson from them. There's no such thing as mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Like you're, you're just, they're just lessons. Right. And then even when you were, I don't know if you remember this, but when you started going down your journey, down your path, you got on the phone with me one day and you were like, I'm doing a little bit of a change of direction. I think he was a little nervous to talk to me about it, but I think you thought I was going to try and argue with you. And I was like, dude, you got to figure this out. Like, like something like a switch went off in him where I was like, okay, like I know it. I know Morgan. I know him, I know him well enough to know that when he approaches something, it's not half-ass. It's like okay, like I'm not only doing this to find a cure for myself. Like there was a bigger picture here for him. Yeah. That was became his mission. So um, yeah, I would never try to talk you away from that. Like you needed to go through what you needed to go through to be where you are today. So. Yeah, I mean, you you taught me like when I first started training with you out of college. Um, 
at Oklahoma State, we didn't learn about nutrition at all. So I felt like the healthiest I've ever been because I was like super jacked and I, I gained a lot of weight and I was hitting it far and felt really good. But I came to you and you're like, all right, well, what are you eating? And I was like, I eat whatever I want. Like, I'm like, um, I feel good. Like, let's just get jacked. He's like, no, what is, let's take out dairy and see what happens. See what happens. And um, it wasn't like, you're taking out dairy because it's bad. Let's see what happens. What, what does your body do? How does it react? And I'm like, well, how am I going to get a Jersey Mike sub? Because <laughs> I, I get cheese on the Italian. <laughs> like I got to have, what about like Parmesan cheese on my pasta? My mom's Italian. I got to have Parmesan yeah, cheese. I, I, I get it. So, <laughs> I get it. so I'm like, what, like, what the fuck's going on? I got to like, this is weird to me. Like I've never had discipline like that. And then since I, when I started taking it out for, I think it was like a month, and I started sleeping better and I started having better recovery times and I was cl more clear with my words. It becomes like, motivating. Yeah, it's motivating because like, oh shit, I can make a simple change like this and have just like my whole life get better in so many different aspects. Right. And that's what really stemmed my uh, ability to search and explore um, because of you. And I, I, I tell that story a lot um, because that was my my start into my diet explorations and um to this day like it's it's really important and e even more so but but we're always evolving right and it's oh that, that's what i always loved about this industry is that what you put into it in a way it's 99 percent of the time is what you're going to get out of it now i'm not talking about people who are diagnosed with sickness or disease or things that come out of the dark and you're just like, oh, this is terrible, this is tragic, et cetera. I'm not talking about that. But if you're if you're an unhealthy person because of your choices, you can make that decision right now to make that change. And I always tell people, it's like, you know, you're one decision away from being on the good path. Like how long is it gonna take? Like your next meal, make it good. Like try and get a good night's sleep. Stop drinking alcohol tonight. Like go for a walk. It doesn't have to be a session like what we just did, like move feel better like this is it's not 80 percent diet and 17 percent training and three percent supplementation it's it's 100 percent up here there's there's no percentages on what it is nutrition and fitness and it's 100 percent up here because when you make that decision to feel better then it, like that becomes motivating like it's, it's it's easy to stay motivated when you're feeling good and when you're seeing that type of return it really is right it's you know it's um it's interesting yeah, but it takes discipline. And I think like through your journey, like you've learned that a lot and you've, what we were talking about raising kids is leading by example. Yeah. And I think you're, you're a great motivator, especially in the gym, in the sessions, but you've always been there for really all of your clients through the days of drive 495 in New York city. When we were like, he, he was more of a a psychologist to most of his clients okay. than, than, than he was a trainer because you'd be like, oh, this person called me last night at like two in the morning. I had to talk to him for an hour and a half because I just broke up or had yeah. a business problem or whatever. And it's just like- You always feel that connection, right? Like you always, you always want to, I feel like good coaches want to be that person that their client can turn around and say, I need it. Like I, my line is, I, I want them to look at me as a necessity, not a luxury. Right. And, and, you know, I've gotten away from a lot of the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I think the stuff I do now is more like consulting or if a client is prepping for a movie, they'll call me as like the big gun to come in and help them get set up. And I really, I, I enjoy that. But, um, those days where I was on the floor, I, I still have it. Like 
he called me the other day. He's like, uh, can we come out? And I'm like, dude, who are you talking to right now? Like, do you, what day do you want to come out? Like, let's just, come on, man. Like, we don't have to talk every day. Like, it's, you've got a family. We're all, we're all busy. It's like, you make that phone call. You tell me what you need and we're there for each other. He's always been that way for me and I've always been that way for him. And that's when you start surrounding yourself with that team, that family, and they are the ones that help elevate you. Um, they're the ones that you want to do this journey with because you start surrounding yourself with a group that all wants to see you succeed. You can do some pretty powerful things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Friend, friends or family that you get to choose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's just, well, there's nothing better than that. No. Um, speaking of celebrity training, yes. how did that, like through working from Equinox to then starting your own gym, like it really us fell on my lap. I mean, it, it was, it was bizarre because, um, so I went, I was a trainer at Equinox for a year and then I went, I started my own one-on-one -on -one training business in New York city and I was really successful at a young age. Like I was 22 years old training 40 to 60, 40 to 60 sessions a week. And going home to home, I was um, I was the resident trainer at the Ritz Carlton Battery Park South. I ran that whole gym down there, and then I uh, was training at a facility on the uh, Upper West Side, and going into homes and making money and meeting people, and it was awesome. But I knew I had this like entrepreneurial spark where I wanted to own my own thing because at that time it was never being successful on digital. There was no digital. It right, was like right. to be successful in the gym business, you had to own gyms. Mm -hmm. So um, my brother and I went out to the Titleist Performance Institute and um, met this guy, Dr. Greg Rose, who was a very mentor friend. The best. Br the best, brilliant. And I, I got so many ideas from him, but I went through this experience called the TPI experience. My brother and I looked at each other and goes, wow, imagine coming back to New York and opening a facility with indoor simulators and a bar and like doing entertaining, but club fitting and all the stuff indoors. People in the city like, Bayonne Golf Club, well, I don't even think it was open back then, or it might've been opening, right? It was, it was early, 2005. Might've been around that time, but there's no city golf. So we were really the first ones. I, I'll tell you right now, we were the first ones to really do indoor golf in New York City by far. No one was even close to us. Place was bad. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was incredible. And um, we were doing it really well. We were really passionate about it. And then 07, 08 hit that whole Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns debacle hit. And um, we noticed that a big portion of our corporate spending just shit the bed. We're like, oh man, and my brother and I are like, oh man, like this is, we're gonna have to really change our business model. Right around that time, uh, actor by the name of Hugh Jackman was training at my club. A buddy of mine asked me if he can bring him in. I said, yeah, I know who he is. I, Hugh wasn't as big as he is now, but bring him in. You know, my buddy Rico Wesley and Rico brought him in and then Rico ended up having triplets and they ended up moving. And then Hugh came to me and was like, I want to train with you. I'm like, Rico, he's like, you're blessed, go. And I'm like, great. So I started working with Hugh for a year. And, you know, I did things differently with Hugh. I mean, back then I, I definitely was doing, the training was great. I would definitely approach him differently today because you just become that much more knowledgeable and you realize how to work with someone in their late 30s, 40s, 50s through experience. I've done over 40,000 one-hour sessions in my life. Like I've trained a lot of people. Um, but Hugh um, wanted to do like uh, press. Let me help you out with some press. And I was like, no. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, man, we're not doing any press. He's like, kind of, he's kind of looking at me like, are you nuts? I'm like, this is your sanctuary. This is your place to escape. I'm getting ready, you ready for a job. Like, let's focus on getting you ready for the job. Don't worry about my press. And looking back on it now, I'm like, what an idiot. I should have done it. But yeah. no, but I think that also 
shocked him and then that allowed uh, the floodgates to open a bit because then the referrals just started rolling in and every single week it was like, hey, Don, it's Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, oh, hi. Like, hey, Don, it's um, Jennifer Aniston. Like, people are just showing up that you were seeing all over the TV. When I say every week, several times a week, the floodgates, I mean, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson standing in the gym. No one's even looking at him because they knew my policy. So Dwayne was getting like, what was your policy? No pictures. Yeah. Someone walks in, do not treat them any differently than the next member. Exactly. Yeah. You be nice, you smile, you do your thing, but you treat everyone the same. There's no special treatment here. And everyone gets special treatment. So that was my policy. So Drive 495 really became this like hub. Sanctuary. Where, yeah, people would walk in, celebrities would walk in, they'd be working out shirtless because they weren't worried. They, they weren't scared about someone holding a phone. And think about that. In the 15 years I was open between 2005 and 2015, my lease expired May 31st of 2020. To 2000, uh, 2005 to 2020. My lease expired May 31st of 2020. Never had a leak, a picture in the sense of like, this got out in our club. It, didn't, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that to me was really special. And I think that's what allowed me to gain that reputation. So at that point, it was like golf fitness was big. But the superhero world was way bigger. Like, come on, man. It's like the Marvel world. So out of nowhere, I started getting calls from every actor, every celebrity, because I lived in this performance physique world. Like, I was an athlete. I understood, you know, getting ready for covers, because I've been on a, a bunch of covers. But I understand, understood what it is to move. So I lived in this performance physique world. So I was like, I was the perfect person for this. So out of nowhere, I get all these actors to contact me, and they're like, can you get me ready for a role? And I'm like, let's do it. And we come in and it was like business. I meet them, like not, not starstruck, didn't give a shit about a picture, an autograph, didn't care. It's like treated them like they were either of you guys, right? And, What's and, the typical time of like someone to call you be like, all right, I got two months to get ready or like yeah, a year? Yeah, I think I, I would normally have about three months, but I've had some ridiculous requests. Like I've had two weeks. Really? And they're like, what do I do? I'm like, all right, you're going to stop drinking for two weeks. We're going to train six days a week. We're going to get our steps in the seventh day and we're going to go get a tan. <laughs> it's like, and then like, I don't know where the production company's like, how did you do this? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like they just we got rid of some water and gave him a tan and they look good on screen. It was just so, uh, but. And I, Thumbing it down a lot. Yeah. Right. Working your ass off. Yeah, no, we, would, like we would work their ass you. off. But, you know, and I would have as much as a year. Or, you know, and that was like, Hugh, I think I had close to a year for Wolverine in Australia. And um, that's what I was wondering if it was for naturally. Yeah. So he had, so I trained him for that Wolverine, but it was, um, I think it was the first one, but it was also, he shot a movie called Australia with Nicole Kidman. And um, ironically, he went right, like from the day of training, he went from me to shoot to Australia to shoot this movie, Australia. So technically I would even say that like, I got him ready for Australia because Wolverine didn't shoot until like three months after. And I think he was training with his buddy in 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 australia so um but i probably prepped i mean hundreds and hundreds of people for the big to the point now i can't even i can't even keep up and you almost tend to forget like you'll see something like oh my god i forgot i worked with him for so and so and you try and keep track with people but everyone has families and they're just too busy and uh, but right now i mean my my training world is really diminished i mean i still work with ryan reynolds and blake lively their family uh john krasinski and emily blunt um annie hathaway and um and I'll see Sebastian Stan when he's in town, but not even much. But any of my old people call me, they need help, they need programs, I'll just send it to them. I don't even care about the money piece of it. I'm like, I'll take care of you. Say say nice things. Of course, family. We're on yeah, we're just on a good we're on good terms. All all businesses, 
whatever it is, whether it's a culture, an environment, in my opinion, it starts at the top always. The yeah. culture is set by the standard that is set at the leader of the organization. Mm -hmm. And listening to you, it's very clear that you are very intentional about the culture that you're determining for whatever you're involved in. And yeah. frankly, walking in here today, again, not knowing you, I mean, immediately when you walked in, I just kind of sat up in my posture a little bit more and knew we were getting to it today. Oh, you know, yeah, we, we, we had fun today. Yeah. <laughs> so felt, and you said it felt like old times. And I'm like, Morgan, we didn't, we didn't lose a step. Yeah. It's been a while, but we picked up. It was some of these, like, we were going to start with some breathing. I'm like, great. And then we're going to go into our dynamic warm up and yeah. we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And it was like, I kept looking over at him, kind of smiling at moments because we're a few years older now, but nothing's changed, right. you know? Right. It's good. But I think that intention that you had in creating the culture that you did, mm -hmm. you know, with each one of your businesses, go back to the gym in New York City. Mm -hmm how you were able to garner that kind of community that came in and trusted you and was able to feel like they had a sense of privacy. That all started with the attitude and intention that you set at the top of the organization. And beyond that, what I'm curious to ask you about too is, you know, what were some of the commonalities you saw in these, you know, whether it was professional athletes or successful entrepreneurs that you saw in them working with you and then also, you know, working amongst each other too. It's, it's, it's a great question. I, I think I was blessed. I mean, I really, I met some pretty incredible people. So I know people want juicy information. Like who is, you know, who's the biggest asshole? And I'm like, God, like I, I didn't like, I, I gotta be honest with you. They were mainly referrals. If you think about it, all these people referrals, I'm not going to market. Hey, celebrity, come train at my club. Right. Like it's, they were all referrals. So when they walked in, I think that guard was down already. And I think people realized that they were really comfortable, um, almost to the point where they would like, you know, send me pictures of like their form or something like that. I'm like, don't worry, I'm disposing of it. And they'll be like, oh no, I'm, I trust you. Like, don't, don't worry. And it's like, that made me feel good because I was so panicked of losing my phone one day and being like, oh, I found pictures of all these actors in there. Like, you know, showing their abs or be, I needed to see this stuff. It's like, all right, how many weeks out are we? Oh, we have a month. Okay. You have your cover in a month. Okay. How do you look? Like it's part of my job. I need to see how you look. You know, sometimes I'm like, relax, you're fine. Let's just keep doing this. Or other times I'm like, okay, like we need to, we need to get in gear a little bit. So I think the commonality that I was really blessed to have was there was this level of trust out of, you know, 99.9% .9 of them when they came in, they were like, we trust you. We, we know you're good and um, do your thing. And get us to our goal. And it was always very fulfilling for me. People wanted to always give me too much credit. Don got him ready for so-and-so. I'm like, no, Hugh got himself ready. Ryan got themselves ready. I was able to sit there and at least keep my fingerprint on it and, um, you know, kind of be somewhat of, um, like a, like a mentor throughout the process. Like even Ryan now, like he's a machine, like he knows what to do, but it's fun sometimes. It'll be like, all right, you know, you're going overhead. I don't like that for you. Let's, let's go up on a 70 degree angle. Well, why? I don't external rotation like we just i think you're a little healthier in this position here let's see he's like oh that's a he looked at me the other day he's like that was a good hack like i'm still using that i'm like good like so sometimes those little bits of information even though they're not every day could be a couple times a month those are things that they carry for the, with themselves for a long time and that to me is like okay that's gold because that's immediately helping them become more successful become more efficient Maybe now his back's not as sore because he's not going to extension as much to create that external rotation. So there's all these things that you know, I'll always be a teacher. I'll always be a coach. It's something that no matter how successful I ever become, God willing, it's like that's something that I need to continue to do because it's part of my makeup, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Th like, thank you for sharing all that. Thank you. I, um, <clears throat> I want to talk about a couple of subjects to mm. lead up. I think 
the next one will be family. Oh yeah. And then golf after that. Sure. And then, yeah. Um, family. It's funny cause the three of us are all in such different positions in our life with family. And, um, I just had a, a baby, a 10 month old baby girl. Her name is Rye and it's like life changing and just like, so she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. She has yep. my heart on a string. Yep. And, um, you have Donnie and Amelia. Yep. How old are they now? So Amelia just turned, uh, turned 16 in August. Donnie will be 15 in November. So, and what are some ways that, what are like the pillars that you and Mel have used to raise them? Um, the pillars. So, I mean, first off, I think there's this word that I don't use a lot with talking about children, but it's accountability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because kids are going to push your buttons. Accountability with them or yourself? Uh, with, you know, with them, they have to have accountability for their responsibilities, yeah. right? Like they have to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think, um, you know, it's very easy as a parent to turn around and it's 8 PM and you're tired and it's like, oh, all right. Like just let, we'll let this slide this time. Like you have to hold them accountable. Um, I think parenting is a, a job that's 24 hours a day and it, and it changes. Like when they were five, you know, there was, you know, I was, we'd get up, you know, we'd get upset with our kids about something. And now it's like, it's completely different. Like my son gave himself his own haircut <laughs> last night and he left hair in the sink. Like, do I care that he gave himself a haircut? It doesn't look bad. Clean up the hair. So now he's got to be held accountable for that. Cause I've told him 10 times, he's got to clean up after himself. And I'm just a stickler on that. I believe that if I, if I give too much leeway there, he's going to push the button, uh, push my buttons and push my buttons. And then yeah, that's some their job he's got to, he's got to, they've got to take out the garbage. Like my, my wife and I this morning was like, Donnie didn't do the dishes. Amelia didn't take out the garbage and they're going to kill me for revealing this stuff on here. But <laughs> that's part of it. Um, don't do it. And I won't reveal it, but they need to understand that. Like when they don't do what their responsibilities are, that they need to be held accountable. Um, when it comes down to their fitness or their, or their nutrition, like, am I force feeding them? No, I, I, I was never like that. I, I try to lead by example. I, I think one of my favorite stories was years ago, they turned to me, like this is probably seven years ago. I remember, because yeah, Amelia was about nine years old, Donnie, yeah, so roughly. They said, can we go for a hike? I said, absolutely. I said, I promise you ice cream, we'll, we'll go for ice I told you we can get ice cream, it's Saturday, we'll go for ice cream in the afternoon after the hike. They said, great. So we go for this long hike up by Comset. Mm -hmm. Everyone's sweaty, happy. It was like a good day. We had a great. I was like, "All right, guys, let's go for ice cream." And they go, "No, we want fruit smoothies. We want to. We want to eat healthy." And my wife and I look at each other. We start laughing. We're like, "Okay, let's get fruit smoothies." So we took them for fruit smoothies. Right? We're like, "Okay, this is kind of cool." And then three hours later, they turn to us and like, "Can we get ice cream now?" And I said, "Of course you can," because they're kids. And it's like, I don't want to rob them of that. So people think, cause I'm a fitness guy and like, I'm a health guy and you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I'm going to rob them of that. Like they're still children. Like let them be children. I was so happy that they did their best to make those decisions early on by the hike and the fruit smoothie and getting some nutrition in their body and couldn't be any more proud of that. But that was the example. I never wanted to turn to them and say, oh no, ice cream's bad for you. Like, no, like ice cream's good for you if you have it once in a while and you should enjoy those sort of things. So I, I think really my wife and I really tried to treat them like adults at a young age, but when they don't do what they're supposed to do, we're going to call them on their shit. Yeah. And we're not going to like, when they get in trouble, we're going to call them on their shit. If they get grounded, we're, we're not budging. And I really felt like 
up until obviously now, because, you know, they're only 16 and 15, you know, who knows what, you know, the future has in store for, you know, for them when it comes down to their behavior, et cetera. We believe that they're going to be in a good place and they're really good kids, but um, we're really happy on the direction that they're going in. And we couldn't be any more proud of, of how, when they meet people, when they meet adults, how they handle themselves and how they look them in the eye, people in the eye and they shake their hands and, but they're kids. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to leave hair in the sink. They're going to leave, They're going to not take the garbage out of times. And we're going to get pissed as, as parents. So I think it's understanding as a, as a parent that this is, this is a job that doesn't sleep. You don't get days off. Yeah. You don't get days That's off. That's what I'm learning right now. No. And, it'll, and, and right now, like the moments that you're having, like I miss that. Like I miss my kids at 10 months old or a year old. I miss having them in bed together. And, you know, my wife and I playing with them in bed. And now... But we have other moments. We have different moments with them when we're at dinner and my wife and I will just start looking at each other and we're like, did they just say this to each other? Like they're having this conversation with us right now. <laughs> like we feel like we're sitting, my wife and I are sitting with two adults. So that's, a, these are new memories that we're, that we're building, but you'll miss the 10 month. Yeah. Trust me. I'm, all, <laughs> I'm already, it's awesome. Every day I'm just like, man, I have to be so grateful. I try to slow down time. Yeah, because I, like I can see her growing every day. There's new uh, attributes and yeah. characteristics of her every single day, and and the way she looks at me, and the the way she obtains information, and it's just it's wild to to learn one that that we created this. Yeah. <laughs> like there's eight billion uh, humans on the planet, but I still can't fathom how we created. My wife created this in her stomach. You know, hold on. Like, I'm, you just stole my line because this, when, when my, when my wife had Amelia for the first time, I remember turning around being like, people don't make a big enough deal about this. Seriously, dude. <laughs> like you're sitting there like watching this life just appear. Yeah. And the next, you know, my wife's breastfeeding and I'm like, how'd you know to immediately do that now? And I'm sitting there and I'm like sweating and like, yeah. My wife's practically holding me up because it was one of the most emotional moments of my life. But it, it, it truly is. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It truly is a miracle. But the, the whole parenting thing, it just, it just changes and it evolves. And um, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. But I really feel like that word accountability, which you just most people aren't going to give you that answer. My, our goal is to raise good people. Yeah. Like my goal out of my kids, I want them hardworking and I want them good. And if they can just do that, like good, like be good, help people, be hardworking. Like I feel like to me, those are like two of the most important attributes they can develop. And I feel like if they have that, like you guys can do anything you want in this world. And I think that's a popular topic right now because you, you look at, you know, what's going on with Coach Prime and, and Deion Sanders and there's this almost, you know, awakening of discipline. It's like people want to see that people are being disciplined again in society and kids are being raised around, you know, good leadership. And it's, it's whether you like him or not personally or what he stands in is, is you know, to your own depiction. But point being, it's it's refreshing to hear, you know that accountability and discipline is on the forefront. I mean, it's fun for me to sit here, like you said, we're in three different positions of life. I'm, you know, I don't have any children yet, but I've known since I was 19 that my number one purpose in life is to be a father. Yeah. And it's like this time where I'm so awake in watching the people around me that I admire and how they're doing it and just soaking in this information. So God willing, I can be as ready as possible when the time comes. But to your point, there's some things that just, 
our fire hose at the other day. You're you learning about the day. My daughter I mean, just got a permit. It was the scariest moment of my life driving a car with her. I, I had sandals on. I kicked my sandal off. Yeah. I have a big pickup. I'm driving with my foot. She was driving the pickup. Oh yeah, she drives the pickup in the Jeep. What other car do we have? We have two. Right. We have two jacked up trucks in the. And my daughter's got to learn on these things, and she's doing a great job. But like, I'm sitting there with my foot, my bare foot ready to be thrown over the center console to hit the brake and I'm <laughs> sweating and we're like, she did a great job, but like there, there are different stages in life. Like I remember the first time she rode a bike, like it was that type of fear, like don't fall, I'm running next to her. Now she's behind a car, the wheel of a car. She's got a boyfriend now. Like there's just different stages and wow. you know, it, it's, it's wild. People are like, oh, you he's a great kid. Like he's just, and she's happy and she's doing well in school and like we're blessed, like, but parenting for me it's like it's this constant like you're in school right now like you've got to like my wife and i were a team like sometimes we sit down like how do you want to handle this like yeah how are we going to handle this like all right let's not address it tonight because we're having a good moment let's wake up tomorrow when everyone's not tired and we're happy you know and then let's sit down and we'll address it as a family and they'll understand that we're this is real and you know it, it is i think my wife and i we are it, it sounds corny but you become you are you are a team yeah i think good parents they become a team yeah, I'm glad that this is a topic of conversation today because I, I really want to shine a spotlight on on you and your family because you. it's it's a it's a goal that Chelsea and I have had is to become like you guys, like That's, you and you and Mel are freaking amazing. Like you. the yeah, relationship that, that you right guys away. have, it's the way beautiful. that you talk to each other, it's just like truth and love. Yeah, and not always perfect. Trust me, I, I, I there there are times you know we work together, so ninety nine percent of the time we're good, but there are times we disagree, and there are times things go wrong, and you know we're pissed at each other for a few minutes, but you rebound and you realize that you want the same. We want the same things. Yeah, we wanna we wanna we wanna grow this ha this home of success and happiness and love, mm -hmm. but we we want our kids to understand hard work. Like it doesn't matter how much money I make a year could be a billion dollars it could be a thousand dollars like my kids are they see this blue collar type of work ethic out of me and they see that yeah in a way i'm providing for people and i have to service and i have to go in with this kind of blue collar type mentality and i'm proud of that because they understand that it's hard work that you know sometimes work is happening at weird hours of the day but you know i, I think that's been the biggest challenge for me as a parent is disconnecting right disconnecting from work and it's something i've really had to learn to do differently since working at home because when i was in the city at drive or i was 15 yeah, what was it 22 years i was working in the city now i'm working from home so now there's got to be this cutoff like a few years ago during covid i remember my son turned to me being like dad put the phone down like we're watching a movie and i just threw the phone I was yeah. like, oh my God, am I doing this? But he called me on it, yeah, that's which awesome. is awesome. And yeah, then it's I, awesome. I, I it literally goes the other was, way. Like, I was like, oh my God, he needs me to be present here right now. We weren't even talking to each other. I literally took my phone and threw it. I was like, oh my God, I'm being that guy. And now it's now I, I find that when we're together, my daughter, my son, like we phones go in the pocket. That can wait. Like I, I need, like this is this is the most important job right now. They need to see that I'm present. They need to see that they're my number one priority. Yeah. Special man. And and would you say like the way that you're teaching your kids, the way that you're leading your family through this life came from your parents? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I, mean, I have the same question. Your, yeah, his, his parents yeah. are amazing. I know the answer. They're freaking amazing. I got to be honest with you, man. Like I, I came from the most loving household. My parents were incredible. They would give me their shirt off their back. I mean, they just, they were just the best. And they just, they were always there. They're always there to support. Um, 
they're older now. They're turning 78. Like they're in a different chapter of their life. But fortunately, they live two and a half miles down the road from me. So I try and stop by there five, six days a week. I was with them last night. And, um, you know, my mom's dealing with some health stuff. She just had hip replacement and you're seeing them go through things and you want to be there for them. You want to be that support system for them. But yeah, hundred percent. I mean, my, my success, my path, not 80%, not 90%, 100% was there. Like them sitting there going, we got you. Like, come on, like, this is what you want to do. We support you. Even when like, I was at an age where I started, like I woke up one day and it was just like, oh, Years ago, like when we thought egg, like you eat egg whites. Remember this is a long time ago. Like now we eat whole eggs again, right? But like, oh, I got to eat egg whites. Oh, I got to eat chicken breast. Oh, I got vegetables and brown rice. And then I just show up to the house one day and I have this like crazy diet. And they're looking at me like, what the hell is this? And my dad would joke around. He's like, you want to, what are you talking about? Like you can eat what you want. And I sat down with them one day. And I'm like, guys, I'm good at this. And they just looked at me and they were like, what the hell are you talking about? They didn't even say anything. I'm like, I'm good at this. I'm going to be good at this. I need you to support me. When you turn around and you break my chops or you joke around about having bad food and how I should love, I need to do what I need to do. They never brought it up again. Yeah. Wow. The second I would go over to the house, they're like, okay, we were making meatloaf and mashed potatoes tonight, but Don, we steamed your, your peas and we steamed this. And it's like, they were suddenly completely on board. And that to me, like, was this lesson where like, they got, they always had my back. And that to me was something where um, probably the most valuable thing that my parents ever left for me was that they always had my back. This is unconditional level of love and it's what I want to give to my kids. I think it's a lesson too of like, like with your authenticity and drive as well to be like, look, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I know you love me. So therefore like- I'm going to do this. Yeah, this is- Please like just tell me you're aboard. Otherwise like I'll, I'll, I-, I I, I don't know how I'm going to respond to this until I come over here. And they were like, we got you. Yeah. Like, we, we get it. They, they didn't understand. They were from a different generation. Like, suddenly they're seeing my parents, when I was a senior in high school, I got in trouble. It was the summer going into my senior year of high school. I was playing in a, um, a summer league for baseball. And they actually tried grounding me from the gym. Damn. They didn't understand. They were like, yeah. all right, you're grounded. Uh, you can't go to the gym this week. And I was like, what? And I was like, how the hell are you grounding me for something that's good for me? I won't go out this weekend. Ground me from going out. I had a party. Ground me from partying. Don't ground me from the gym. They're like, you're right. You're not going to the party. So they didn't really understand. Like they were just, they didn't understand. Now they're like, oh, the fit fitness piece is the best thing. Like this is what you need to be doing. But they were just like affiliating with something that I like to do that for like muscles. Like, no, it's like this it was part of my survival. Mm -hmm. Fitness was always something that there was nothing I can do in life where an hour, an hour and a half, two hours later, come out of it and be in a completely different mindset. Yeah. And it was the one consistent, it's the one consistent behavior I had in my life. We don't know how we're going to wake up. We don't know what's been raining here for four days. We can't predict the weather. We can't predict if there's a government shutdown coming up or not. We do not know. But turning around, you showing up today, and then an hour, hour and a half leaving, how do you feel after that session? You felt amazing, right? Totally. 100%. We had a great, we had a great meal. We great all lunch. feel great right now. Having that control over your emotions every day, I think is, I think it's very powerful. And it's incredibly underlooked yeah. and mm. undervalued. Mm. But that is one of the reasons why I got into that. I was at a young age, I felt a certain way, and then I got into something that allowed me to feel a certain way. And I was like, oh man, wow, I want more of this. Yeah, yeah. And oh, now I can allow people to feel this way? I want more of this. Because yeah. I was getting the same feeling by seeing people leave a session feeling all jacked up. The same feeling that I would get from, from doing it for myself. 
So that became powerful. So that's, that's why I went off in the path I went off in. Yeah. It's like controlling your day. You get to control at least one aspect of your day. That's you can't do that with many things. Yeah. You can't do that with many things. Yeah. It's incredible. How much do you attest that back to not only your own personal drive, but also the people around you supporting that vision? I mean, you talk about your parents when you came to them and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. They rallied up behind you and pushed you. But how much do you attest still to this day? you know, the people support around you, helping motivate you each and every day. The motivation factor, I gotta be honest, I didn't need. Mm. I didn't need it. I, I was I was, I was, was self-motivated in the sense of like, I wanted to do this and no one was getting in my way. But having that type of support, I feel like supercharged everything mm -hmm. that I did. Obviously the love piece, and maybe, maybe I'm not answering that fairly. Like if my parents didn't love me, yeah. Could I do what I did in the industry? Could I could I be as supportive as as I was? I'm thinking about it differently now. Maybe if they didn't love me, would I be able to be as supportive to other people? Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm not giving that aspect aspect of your question enough thought. But I feel like the motivation piece. I was doing it no matter what. Would I be as good as I was? I don't know. Yeah. Would I be? That's that's a fair answer. Would I be as good as I was um, without their love and support? I can't answer that. I don't yeah. Know. That's beautiful awareness though, honestly, to look at your own upbringing and know like you had that love. Could things have been differently if you didn't? You know, right. I mean, I think it's it's beautiful that you had that kind of foundation around you to know that this is who you are, this is what you wanna do with your life. And I'm curious, like when you, uh, when you met your wife, yeah. right? How much did you guys kind of bond off of these things in common, a passion to motivate yourself, whether it was through fitness or when did that click for you? you know, How old were you guys when you met? We met, we met 20, I'll tell you, July 25th, 20 years ago was the day that we met. In Vegas. We met in Vegas, which sounds hilarious, <laughs> by the way. Like, and I remember coming home and my, my mom, like my, my track record with women was a little volatile. Like I was, wasn't doing anything wrong, but I definitely wasn't settling down anytime soon. And I came home and I told my parents, I'm like, I met someone, They're like, where's she from? And I'm like, she's from Vegas. And my mom was like, oh, Donnie. <laughs> just, like, just shook her head like seriously like why are you always making this hard on yourself like come on man and it was really funny um but then they met her and they understood but the thing with with melissa when i when i met her it wasn't this like instantaneous we saw each other and it was like oh <laughs> um we we hung out we met out that night and uh kind of ran into each other by accident or maybe it wasn't on her end she just kind of showed up where i was right and um <laughs> we ended up just kind of going out hanging out and then talking on the phone a lot it wasn't a time where there was facetime so i remember landing in new york after spending a few days with her in vegas and getting off the plane and being like fuck man just shaking my head because i couldn't stop thinking about her and i was like oh man really like this is this this isn't good man. <laughs> i was like i can't i can't get involved with someone who's two thousand miles away from me right now like i knew i was opening drive i knew all these things were going on and then we started doing really like corny things that were out of my uh kind of out of my scope a little bit. Like we were renting movies and putting on headsets and saying, ready, hit play. And we would hit play and we would I'd be on the couch in New York. She'd be on the couch in Vegas three hours back before she had to go to work. And um, we'd be watching movies together and um, stuff like that. Then it was, then she came up to New York for a weekend and we just had a blast. And then it, it became really easy. It wasn't even like one year where we went back and forth. I think I was in Vegas 15 times in a 12 uh, you know, in 12 months. And she was flying out to me on a, she'd get off of work on Sunday. She's working at the Hard Rock. She'd get off of work and get on a red eye and land Monday and be fly out Tuesday night. Wow. And we did this for a year. And finally I looked at her and I said, listen, what are we doing? She's like, well, what are you saying? I'm like, 
do you want to move in? She's like, absolutely. She just, she was at UNLV working two jobs and she literally like told her parents, like I'm moving to New York. And they were like, like, are you like what? And she transferred her credits, credits to Hunter and she got a job in New York. Um, and she went to Hunter and she graduated and she lost the majority of her credits. So she finished four years of college, I think in two and a half years, she was just way smarter than I will ever be. (laughs) And, um, then we started this kind of journey together. But I think what's interesting about us is that, you know, she, you know, we got married, we had Amelia a year later and she became a mom and she still, you know, she worked. But then when she became a mom, she focused on another job, which was being a mom. And I I feel like things in our, as good as things were for years, I just feel like things became elevated when we started working together. Because there was this other team element that suddenly we realized we didn't like, I didn't realize I needed her in business. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound like sexist or chauvinist, but like I was like, I, she was at home raising our children and I was at work. So I was kind of like, I'm handling work and you're handling home. And we had our bound. But then when she started working with me on Dino Brands, which is our company now, I, I couldn't believe like the stuff we've done with our company no chance in hell I'm doing on my own. Like, so she came in and there's a level of organization, this level of attack. And so like, I can't, I'll sit, if I could pull out a book right now and read three pages, I'm exhausted, right? She could sit there, like she read 1300 pages the other day of a book. How do you do that in one day? Like that's abnormal. It was Sunday, it was a day off. What what book is that long? She read read a book on Sunday. It was like a day off, it was rainy. We're like, we took a couch day and uh, she read 1300 pages. I'm like, who does that? I haven't read 1300 pages in a year. (laughs) But she just has this like, she's got this, She's got this mind, right? And um, so for her to come in and to take over that area of our business and allow uh, allow me to focus on the area that I needed to focus on, team effort. Like it's, she ran with this, I ran with that, and we became a success. Where at Drive, there were, I was wearing a lot of different hats. My brother was wearing a lot of different hats and it was like, we couldn't truly focus on things to make it the success that maybe we could have, but maybe that was our path. Maybe we had to go through that for us to be where we are now. It's like, I'm not looking back on that saying it was a failure. I think it was a, I think it was a big success, but you know, 15 years in a gym, you're going to learn a lot, you know, 15 years where you open a second gym and then you launch an app company and you know, uh, some investments went bad. I mean, there were just things that I guess were part of our path. I mean, would I go back and change little things? Sure, maybe. But I'm also looking at the past now and saying, man, this is what allowed me to get to today. So I'm sure some of my investors would have been like, no, you want to change that because <laughs> we had a couple of bad investments. But, you know, right right now it's all it's all good and we're in a, we're in a good place. I'm about halfway through uh, Walter Isaacson's biography on Steve Jobs right now. Oh, sick. And... One of my favorite quotes I've taken from it was from Steve Jobs. And he said that when we look in the rearview mirror, we can always connect the dots versus when we look ahead, we never can. Right. And so you have to have faith that ahead in time, you'll look back and see that they always were connecting. And that's why we and we were talking about this earlier. Like someone asked my wife the other day, like, what do you guys like? What's your plan with your business? And and I, I thought to myself, like, man, I don't like we're going, we're going well, but like, what is the exit? Like, we don't really know because all this was created, you know, this direction now has been created in the last three years. And, you know, we did in three years what we couldn't even do in 15 at Drive. So to be that much more successful in the past three is something I'm proud of. I needed those 15 to be there, but 
again, we're creating lanes and we're creating, you know, um, areas of our business that like we, we developed us, um, a, um, an, an online teaching course for, for coaches who want to build their digital platform. It's a 20 hour online course. Like I didn't think we were going to do that years ago. Like these are things that we created now. So we're, we're having fun with work. Um, we're doing really well with work and we have, we feel a lot of passion and purpose with work and we're just going with it. Like, yeah. but are, are other things going to be created in the next couple of years? Yeah, they will be. And I know they will be cause it just keeps happening. But for me to turn around and say, yeah, five years from now, this is my plan in 15 and 20 years. It's my plan. I, I just can't do that. It takes the creativity out of it too, you know, to be, to putting such strict guidelines around where you've got to, you know, have and an exit or this. Some people can. God yeah, bless them, but yeah. not us. <laughs> yeah. Not us. Yeah. Speaking of uh, your brother, you dropped uh, yeah. Joe in there. Yeah. We, that's really how you and I kind yeah. of met through yeah. Joe. Joe was an amazing uh, amateur golfer. Yeah. And I was coming up through the ranks when I was like 15, and I think I met him then. And we actually played in a, like a U.S. versus Europe match together. Yeah. And I was young and, and he was like telling me about you and how we started a gym with you in the city. And yeah. that's how we really got introduced. And um, I want to know like, why, why'd you start a golf gym in New York City? Were you passionate about golf? Did Joe get you into it? Like, yeah. So I, I was playing golf, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a diehard. Like I, I enjoyed golf. Yeah. I think what was fun for me was I, I saw my brother at a young age get into golf and um he became good pretty quickly. Again, it was just, he found it, it was his lane. I mean, I, I think I went off to college. I remember in 1995, I went off to college and he just quit every sport and he just decided to take up golf. And, you know, he's pretty good at everything else he played. So I think all the coaches were pretty upset. But the next thing you know, my brother's standing in a sand trap for eight hours. And I'm like, how the hell do you do that? Like, <laughs> be bored out of my mind. Like, do you, do you listen to music? Like, I didn't really get it. Um, and then, you know, he was small and he was hitting the ball. All right. And then he was like, I want to start getting into working out. I'm like, well, I can help with that. So we start working out and out of nowhere, like I just start seeing him murder the golf ball. Like he's hitting it really long. And, you know, I think once one year he put like 50 yards on his drive. Like it was just something pretty wild. That he yeah, it was crazy, but he was getting strong. Like the kid was squatting and he was doing Turkish getups and he was doing all this movement. And mm -hmm. Then we went, when we went out to Titleist, this was all around the time. Think about this, 95, 96, 97, who's pretty big around that time? Tiger. Yeah. Like everyone's looking at Tiger like, oh, this guy works out. And we're, yeah. we're looking at that as an opportunity. We're like, all right, so here's a guy who's normalizing or he's going to normalize fitness. That was one thing that we really said um, that we nailed. We, we hit the bullseye. We were like, in, in those years, we were like, this guy is the best golfer we'll probably ever see in our, our lifetime yeah. and he's the one who's going to normalize fitness and golf because fitness and golf was like oh, don't get tight right. gary player stretch. was yeah stretch yeah gary player was one of the most one of the fittest golfers i mean no one was talking about back then though how gary would would do 100 body weight 100 squats with his caddy on his back and all these crazy things like gary was working out but it wasn't being glorified right. now right. tiger was winning at a level and everyone's starting to see him get into shape and get more muscular yeah. so that was yeah that was an opportunity and we were like all right well let's let's learn about this and let's get good at, at this so i have a very interesting background i mean yeah i work with superheroes and then i'm doing um, i'm doing content for golf channel it's like Where'd you make this shit up from? So it's a, sometimes, so again, like from a marketing standpoint, I always tell people like, know your lane. Like I've always was kind of a little bit over all over the place, but I also think I'm the rarity in the business. Like you're not going to see someone who is do, doing golf content on the golf channel 
the head of golf fitness for you know a golf pass and then is Rory, yeah. yeah and then is on the cover of muscle and fitness the last you know two years it's like it's just it's it's a little bit odd so but you know again i i embraced it and i went with it and um it was kind of funny because a lot of the golf like the god the golf uh enthusiast was like oh he's he's more of a fitness guy and the fitness people were like oh he's more of a golf guy like they all had a hate on you but you yeah know, it worked so. well and that's why like i when i got introduced to you through joe we our goal was always to be like when we first started training we were like we're not going to train for golf we're going to train to be an athlete yeah. we're going to train for our bodies to be at the utmost level of performance and um and my thought process has not changed there but right yeah it has not changed yeah it's amazing I, I love it i think everybody should train like that yeah and uh man just like coming out of college and, and learning your way and the way that what we've talked about the way you treat people the way you raise your family the way that you um drive a business with that um level of integrity is really motivational and can be can really be a lesson for people on every realm it's not just for fitness or for golf or for business um i think in this conversation so far there's been amazing lessons in, in many different attributes in many different lanes um and i don't know i'd love to like reminisce a little bit about some things yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where i was going dude that's fun like, stories are fun right yeah. i mean god we, we you and i got plenty of them back in the masters i mean there's so many different fun stories i mean there's so many things that people don't i mean listen i still think you're you're one of the guys that brought like nutrition on the golf course i mean don't 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 laugh at that like yeah you were you were at the masters walking down the fairway eating grass-fed bison and vegetables and like they're raw green beans and raw green people are like what is this guy doing like this is what you needed from a from a, from a mental standpoint like you felt like you're always someone that i think mentally like you like you enjoyed having that edge of course i feel like you were like you're walking down the fairway like yeah you guys are eating your little crappy protein bars and like i'm eating Dasani water yeah yeah <laughs> And like, and that to me was, that was special. I, I remember going off to Whole Foods and you and I making a homemade bone broth. Yeah, at Augusta. Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> We're walking down the fairway. I'm surprised there's a Whole Foods broth, there. And like, it gelled up. It was disgusting. He almost, he almost vomited on a Dude, Whole Dude, we way. went to the butcher at, in Whole Foods where we were like, we want your biggest femur bone of a cow. And he's like, all the right. The guy's like, what? Yeah. And like cut, cut it in we're half like, cut it in half right now. And we're, we're like, all right, we're making our own bone broth. We go back. We have like six guys staying in a rental house in yeah. Augusta. And, and this is your first time in the match. Dude, Master. John Daly's five miles away, like doing trick shots and drinking at rum Hooters. and coke. And we're like, yeah. And we're like at Hooters. And we're literally like not even five miles. Might have been a mile away. And we're literally in Whole Foods. Like, can we pick out that femur, please? We want to bring them back. <laughs> and your organic raspberries and stuff, please man and then so yeah we create this this bone broth we're cooking every meal we have buddies over we have like crazy stories about them going out at night and having tacos show up on on our car windshield yeah we're not going to tell the full story but continue going we could we could no 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 but i am going to say this one of his buddies met a woman and passed out when she was picking him up food to come back to the house and then we woke up the next day to find the Taco Bell that she was delivering to him smushed all over the window of the vehicle that I think we were supposed to drive, so we had to take another vehicle. Yeah, was this like was a, the night before round one. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a natural response from her. Yeah, totally natural. And by the way, he deserved it. I love it. But he, but he told or like, um, I think another great story there was the fact that we were playing at some, I don't want to say junkie, but some public- One, a public course a in public Augusta. A public course yeah. in Augusta. 
that we were on the course with some random golf cart. I don't know how we maybe the, like, the house we rented had a golf cart with like jacked up wheels on it. Jacked up wheels, and they had they had a whole set of extra clubs, like but they were from like, like those 1981, pings. right? And Morgan's Morgan's teeing off the next day, and he's sitting here with these junky pings. Like, oh my god, I think these things are older than me. And he's like, we we actually played nine holes. We had a little tournament. What do we call it? The um, oh my god, yeah, this the Lakeville open, the Lakeville Open at a the something cup or something. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was some whatever the the complex we were staying at. We like named it that. There was six of us. So it was three on three with one set of clubs. Only you playing in the Masters? Yeah. That was staying in the house. Yeah. It was the me and Don and Steve and Mark and Adam. Wow. Yeah. And everyone's like, we're going out tonight. I'm like, we're not. Who else was there? Sam. Sam. Um, and was Steve, my caddy, caddy, staying there? Maybe too? Steve was there. I don't remember Steve was there. Anyway, man, that was just an insane week. You're training me every day in, at Gold's Gym. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, Dustin Johnson with his cat, uh, with his uh, coach, Joey D. And Dustin just kept looking at me. All he kept saying to me was like, I can't believe how hot it is out here. It's like, this is crazy. Like we were literally in the gym, like dumping sweat. Dustin's right next to me, dumping sweat. Obviously the workout times would change every day because the tea times would change. Um, but just having those type of credentials to be able to, you know, walk around the facility and, and see Augusta. And, um, you know, you're walking back into the PT rooms, you're seeing players get PT done and, one pro player was like down in Klondike bars. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Like who eats Klondike bars anymore? There's just like, there's the b bizarre like stuff, little things that stick out in my head now. And I'm like, wow, only this is Augusta. It was probably one of the most, it really was one of the most magical places that I've seen. And that week was just, that was fire. I mean, just watching you, then watching him compete and watching him on that, on, um, on that Friday, just, I mean, almost three eagles, right? I mean, you almost set. The, I mean, you had two. You had two. You had two. Two eagles. Two eagles, and then on fifteen, hit it to like eight feet. And coming into Friday, you 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 didn't play great on Thursday, so you were a little behind the eight ball for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think by the end of that tournament, you were just like, oh my god, like you were just. I've never seen him so happy. Like up until that point in his life, obviously now being a you know a different stage in his life. Well, I mean, just accomplishing dreams and like. Obviously, you want to win the Masters, but playing in the Masters is a great dream as well. But having your family, as we said earlier, your friends there with you is just like, it's amazing. And that's that's what I've learned now with like not playing golf for a couple of years and creating some businesses on the side and like creating other dreams of uh, a wellness center and teaching people how to um, learn themselves mm -hmm. and doing that with people who are special to you is really like what life is about 100 percent, and like it's it's so cool and now like getting to know you and and telling you our dreams chelsea and i's dreams about nakawa and and you're you kind of like really coming into it and helping support and being a board member and it's uh it's just really special and that to go back to augusta like it's just having those times that you'll never forget I mean, cre creating yeah, yeah. grayson was First created grayson. grayson was created at, yeah. at, at augusta yeah. and i'll never forget meeting charlie there yeah. i'll never forget two weeks before you not knowing what you're wearing wow. and i remember charlie showing up with a stack of boxes and it was his gear for every day and we i remember us going through this being like oh that's cool that's cool that's cool and then he's named the best dress golfer uh by golf digest was it Yep, I think so. I think it was Golf Digest, best dressed golfer. It was like, 
like, oh my God, like that type of, I mean, Charlie, I mean, you got to tip your cap to him for pulling that off. I mean, that was, I mean, uh, in, in a couple of weeks to do that under that type of pressure, even to have the, the gear made for it to fit the way that it fit. I mean, you look like it, you look like a, you looked unbelievable. Yeah. But, I remember there were joggers in play. I mean, it was a full, it was something. The backstory of it was like, he was panicking. We were both panicking. I didn't have clothes, like literally going to the event. And he was going to have to go to the PGA store and start buying like Augusta shirts with the logo on it. He's going to be buying it like day by day. I mean, literally, that's what he felt like. We're like creating a new brand and we're like, okay, we have to debut this on TV at Augusta. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this? And Charlie somehow created with his connections from Ralph Lauren in New York City. He went to like textile shops and like all these, all these places of fabric shops. And like we're having people out of like blank sheets of fabric create these pants of, of the measurements that he thought I was. Did you save all that stuff? We do have it. We actually made, we made like some hats out of the pants that I wore and sold them for. You should, oh my God, you should have saved them all and you should have literally, you, you should have printed them up on the wall like every day at the master because like, that was just i cannot believe it's still one of the coolest stories that i feel like is not told enough because that is the dream right there that's like he pulled it off it was amazing but to be honest the pants were so uncomfortable like, <laughs> like walking around dude i was like readjusting myself like every five minutes i don't even know how it didn't even matter at that it was point, 200 I was, degrees i was so too. happy at that point like it didn't matter what i was wearing i could have worn leather pants it was 200 it was so hot yeah um, God was special. And, and the, the announcers were like, he's wearing this new brand called Grace. And it looks like he has like a, a wolf or like a bobcat on his, yeah. like, we're like, or no, uh, a, a, a fox or a bobcat. We're like, it's a wolf, it's a man. Wolf. Come on. <laughs> get it right. Yeah. Johnny Miller, get it right. <laughs> Amazing. Crazy times. I mean, you guys have had a lot of really fun times together and light and funny but being a fly on the wall today and and listening to the brotherhood between you guys you know you've shared in some really challenging times in your life too yeah and you know maybe tell some of the stories about you know don how you were there with morgan when he was first you know diagnosed or searching even before that for years yeah. you know for what was going on in him but how you were so not just physically there for him but spiritually caring for morgan in these moments yeah i mean l listen you you know you develop this bond with someone this 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 love and um you know when you when you see someone you truly love and care about and you see them going through things it's like you you become affected by it and you know he was taking trips all over the country i mean we remember calling greg rose and this doctor and bill healy and you know dines and all these doctors hss and you know, I, I tried being as present as possible, like a couple of the nerve testing appointments you had to go through. I mean, I would see you sitting there going through these tests and I just, I mean, I get, that was brutal. I get, I get just nauseous thinking about it. Um, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. Like I, I haven't reminisced on it in a long time but the, about going through those EKG tests and like having them stick needles in me and shock me. And I was, I'm sitting next to him holding his hand literally like, and I'm just going, you're going to get through this, hang in there. And he just, he just sat there the whole time with this dead straight face on and he just gritted it. He didn't get emotional. He just, I think he made me tough by watching how tough he was. But uh, even the MRI, I mean, that one MRI, for, for some reason it's, I know you're the one who had to go through it. So obviously the nerve testing was the most difficult for you, according to you, but watching you have to sit in that MRI chamber for three hours, I was like, I don't know how the hell this guy's in a shell, literally. 
up to here three hours. It was hot. Hot, and you're just like, oh my God, like four or five years of this, and you're like, at what point? Like, what's going on here? And we thought it was every, it was like, Oh, you got a mountain biking accident? Like, did you, did you, did you rupture something? Do you? Is there a nerve entrapment under your clavicle? Yeah, I, like everything. Like what? Like what's going on here? Like, you start, you think bizarre things, and then yeah. you know, finally you get the news, and you know, you at least have some direction now. And but then I think the second Morgan found out about it, he was like immediately. He was just like, "All right, this is what I'm dealt, and we we got to figure this out." And it was. um it, 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 it's an amazing story because most people would just turn around and deal with it. Well, you know, well, the odds, the chances, oh, well, this is what, this is what you're, no, he's like, he's in Nepal. And we're communicating when he's in Nepal. I'm like, well, like, what's your day like? He's like, well, I'm up in the, up in the hills, up in these mountains for how many, I'm not exaggerating, eight hours, like meditating seven hours. Well, they were rubbing me with herbs for six hours a day for ninety days straight. No, I can't sit here still. No like I'm, I'm, I'm moving around. I'd be, I'd be, but, but you learn from that. Like you turn around, you're like, okay, this can be done. Like it's never imagined it could be done, but it can. But be done. you were there from the day one. Like when my my pec started atrophying, it's like, all right, what the fuck? Did we? Did I pull something? Are we working out too hard? Is it like what's going we thought, on? We thought. Everything. Is there? Is there like a? a line of fucking worms in there, like eating away my muscle. <laughs> I mean, we were like, well, are you engaging one peck more than the other? Like you're getting all these crazy things in your head. I mean, this is like, this is newfound territory for, for me. I was just, but you know, took what, five years? Five years of searching. Yeah. Five years of searching. Yeah, five years of, of money out of my own pocket because insurance wouldn't cover it. Which is, that to me is bizarre. Yeah, like I mean, when I went to Mayo Clinic and where was it like wisconsin or michigan or something like that they're like yeah insurance is not going to cover i was like i don't care i'm here for five days like every test you can possibly do to figure out what this is do it yeah here's my mx like yeah i'll figure it out now that's pressure and that like but then in the end i was surrounded in my bed with like 10 doctors and they're like yeah sorry like this is the doctor for this the doctor for this for this the specialist whatever like yeah we don't know what's going on but like Don was there by my side the whole time. We were like every time I'd go back to New York City and him and Charlie Weingroff and Billy Savranish, our breathwork coach. And like we were just, and Dr. B Bill Healy and Josh Dines, we would all just like put our minds together and be like, all right, what's going on? Let's take the next steps. Let's continue getting jacked. Have body armor on. Body like, armor. Let's keep working hard. That was, that was, that was the line. Print that up here somewhere. It's like body armor. Like people don't understand what that means. It's that we're not referring to it as like looking jailhouse jacked. It's like that's unfortunately we're all gonna go down one day. Like I said, like we're gonna trip, we're gonna fall. Happened to my grandmother in her eighties, she shattered her elbow. Like if she had that body armor, if she had that bone density, if she had some muscle to support that, you know, maybe she wouldn't have gone under the needle for seven hours and then her health declined after that and she lost her life. It's like we need to be strong you know, physically, it's, it's, and obviously mentally, of course, but like we need, we need mental strength and physical strength. So, mm -hmm. but it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, like that mental strength, that mental callus, I guess, by pushing yourself through the hard times is yeah. like really how you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about too, some of, you know, the harder times in your career too, whether it be with, you know, the gym or maybe more in your personal life too. And I know Morgan was there for you in a lot of those times too, oh, 100%. which strengthened the brotherhood even more to be there for each other. No, it was like, 
you know, I'm in this, I'm in this facility drive and we, there was one aspect of the business that was just taking off, like the names that were coming in there and we were generating good revenue. But the, I, I think, you know, we were in a, we were in a really difficult lease at the time. It was just very expensive. It was $2 million a year just to break even. So you had to, you know, you had to sell a lot of memberships and do a lot of training. And um, I think 0708 really set us back a while because we lost our whole corporate you know, all of our corporate spending, like all of these companies that were coming in and doing these events during the week to entertain clients was just like, poof, it's just like a vanish in the thin air. So we had a pivot. And I remember that year we were lighting money on fire every month and we, we had to hold on to the lease because we were PG. We had a personal guarantee. Mm. So landlord, obviously, you know, is the right to come after us. So it really forced us to get creative. And, um, you know, we had some close friends who fronted us some cash and, you know, it took us a while to pay them back, but we, you know, we paid them back. And, you know, I think how I, and Morgan was one of those people, I mean, and one of the reasons why, I mean, it was at a time too, where we probably shouldn't have been, you know, throwing money our way. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, you're at a, you're at a point in your life where it's really humbling when you got to ask for help. I mean, I remember Con Ed shutting down the power on us one day and clients are like, what the hell happened? And we're like, oh my God, uh, I think Verizon hit a line out in the street. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at my brother like, holy shit. Like, you know, and going to use Amex, Amex is shut down. And like, you're like, wow, this is, this is real. Like, I didn't like, I didn't realize when I signed up for this, this was going to happen. But guess what? I can't complain. I got to fucking make this happen. And I think at those moments, you figure out ways to get creative and you go to a couple clients like, hey, listen, you spent X last year. Would you give us Y? And we'll value it at what you, you know, their training services and you'll make, you know, this amount of money on it. And we did these prepaids and we burned it all down and um, it really forced us to have to get creative. And it, it, it's also why now when things are going well, I'm never like, mm. All right, man. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, we're doing really good. But like, how do we stay relevant? And how do we stay current? And we can't get complacent. Like, That's so good there. Like, complacency is one of the words that like, it's one word that I'm just like, um, I'm scared of. Like, yeah. I just feel like the second I get complacent with anything, like my life's just going to tank. And maybe that's a terrible attitude to have. But I just feel like it's just the way I was raised. And, you know. But even to talk about it now, like those those times what we both shared just there are like the hardest times that we've ever gone through. And it's like to be able to be sitting here right now and being like, Hey, we got through this. We're it getting we're getting through this and we're back here. We're we're training, like we're continuing to grow and get better. It's like it's humbling. It's humbling, but I'm also not like yeah, we made it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not like, I'm, that's why I'm sitting here right now. And I'm a little like, you're seeing my posture. I'm kind of a little, I'm, I'm ducking a little bit because I'm like, yeah, man, like this happened. This was really real. Yeah. yeah. I almost missed 37 consecutive payrolls. Holy. Like that's, that's rough. Like our pay period was every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So imagine the amount of stress every night going to bed being like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? Like these are, and you, you feel like you can tell these stories now cause you got through it, but I'm also like, yeah, I never want to be back there again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you live just, with the experience of yeah, it forever. So, you know, to I, learn from it yeah. and be able to protect from it again. And yeah, that's part of too. I mean, also a lot of the people I were around, I think they, they always, they always they always wanted to be sitting in that seat like oh I can do a better job than you or I can sit in your like but when things would go wrong they they wouldn't want to deal with that part they only wanted to deal with the good stuff and I think entrepreneurs or people who you know are are 
getting into business, whether it's a small business, whatever it is, it's like, there's, there's a risk. There's a level of risk. And it makes me sick. Anytime I hear someone's business tanks or is not successful or they're having a tough time, like I feel it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh man, like this is, it's real. And I, and I went through it. I mean, fortunately we were able to get through it and I was able to exit from my gyms it, probably one of the best ways possible. Like it really, like it, it ended up being good after, you know, all the good and bad that we went through, but I, I don't take a moment of it for granted. And I don't look back at a moment of it and I don't like, oh, yeah, we were, we were fine. I never doubted myself. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Like, yeah, when you almost miss 37 consecutive payrolls, you start doubting yourself. Yeah. You're like, am I doing the right thing here? <laughs> like, is this like, is this what I should be doing? Like, give me an answer right now. Like hit me with lightning, something to just tell me like, should I go this way or should I go that way? And and the best advice I, that someone gave me is like, dude, it's going to be all right. And I wanted to be like, F you. Yeah. Like, like, no, it's going to be all right. Like, you're going to be all right. Like, like you realize afterwards, like it's going to be all right. But I believe me, I've asked myself that question a million times. This is what I should be doing. Yeah. Like, and you're, you've always been there. Like, let's say hey, it's going to be all right. Yeah. I would say that to you, right? Yeah. Or like you would tell me I'm going to make this decision and I would be like, dude, go with it. Like, you're going to make a decision, just own it. Like, when my son screws up now, he's like, but, but, I'm like, dude, just own it. Yeah, it's a choice. Like, own it, man. Like, you made a choice. You, excuse my language, you fucked up. 14 years old, just own it. Just say, just say, dad, I fucked up. Yeah. And look at me and be like, yeah, I fucked up. I was like, okay, good, let's move on. Cool. Right. I just want him to take ownership over that. Yeah. Stop making excuses. It's such a lesson. Yeah, yes. ownership's such a powerful thing, too. I mean, internally, when you take ownership over, your missteps in life, whether they're personal or professional. I mean, that's, I think the, probably my, and this isn't necessarily one man's quote, but it's, it's a, a theory in leadership in general is, you know, to take when, you know, when the times are, are rough as a leader, you know, to take that responsibility on yourself as the leader of the organization. Yeah. And when times are good to give that glory back to the team. Yeah. Right. But when it's tough, it's time to look in the mirror and say, I'm the leader of the organization and you take responsibility for that. Yeah. Right. And it's here. I hear it a lot in your voice as you're talking about it, you know, sitting yeah, here today. It's just why, too. I mean, you just look back on it now. It's like, it, it, it really is this journey. Like if people yeah. want to be in that position, they want to wear that hat. Like they have to be willing to go through some tough things. And, and listen, I say it's tough. Tough to me is finding out that someone you love has ter terminal illness. Like that's tough. Like, this is tough for business. Let's be clear about this. Like missing 37 consecutive payrolls sounds terrible, but like my kids are okay. Mm -hmm. I'll miss payrolls every week for the rest of my life. Like just make sure my family's fine. So I think we also got to look at like what's what's important. But when you're going through it in that moment, like it, it, it it's like, wow, this is this sucks and this is real. But the thing that I never stopped doing was I never stopped working and I never felt bad about myself. And I would show up and say, all right, man, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's push, let's keep working, let's get creative. Yeah. What do we have to do to make this happen? And I think that was the thing I look back on now and that was, I'm, I'm proud of myself about. I'm like, I never, anyone who knows me in that facility, you know, we were talking about certain names that came up earlier. They will never, not one person is ever going to turn around and be like, no, Don didn't work his ass off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, I worked my ass off. Um, and that's something nowadays a lot of young kids don't want to do. They just like, someone messaged me the other day and, and they shot me a DM like, I want to do what you do. And I, want, I was like, man. You don't know. Like, like seriously? Like, oh, oh, okay, like I, I get it, but like you don't know what I had to get through to even get to this point. And even now I'm not sitting here with my hands behind my head. Like, 
you want to do what I do, then, okay, let's start here. Go work at a big box gym and clean up weights for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, then go off on your own and start your own business. Then go raise money. Then fail at that. Then start another business and fail at that. And another business and fail at that. It's like you get kicked in the nuts constantly. Like it's it's painful to be able to get up from that and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And you know who inspired me? There were a lot of big names um, um, in the fashion industry. Big, big, big names. Like some of the biggest names on the planet. They were telling me they, that there were points where they were sleeping under their desk. You know, it's like you look at companies like Calvin Klein or Tommy Hilfiger and these guys were like, okay, like things weren't always roses, you know, and they went through tough times. So I think when you hear that and you see that people can get through that with with thinking and strategizing differently and and hard work, I think that becomes really inspiring. Mm -hmm. That's what I want the story to be. I don't want the story to be, well, how did I get there? I want to be, sure, I want to be like Tommy Hilfiger who's worth $4 billion or whatever, Calvin Klein who's... No, it's like, what did they have to do to get there? And I think that's what you got to present to people. This is, you want to be like that person? This is what they had to do. Yeah. Really? It took you 20 years? Why so long? Dude, don't talk to me. Yeah. You don't want to do this. Because I, 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 I did it not to become a millionaire. I did it to, because I loved it. Yeah. We'll take it back to the quote you started the conversation with that your mom taught you, right? Yeah. You love it? Do it. You know, you said, oh, nobody makes money being a trainer, right? And she said, well, do you love it? Don't worry about that yeah, part so of Don't it. worry about the money. I'm telling you, two of the most valuable lessons that she gave me, it's like, and you think about that, in the second grade and in 1999, I'm 21, 22 years old. It's like, and she's taught me way more than that. But like, those are things that stick in my head vividly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely been one of my favorite Thanks. quotes I've heard today. Yeah. It's powerful. I mean, and it's, and it's inspiring too. I mean- I feel like I've been at this age, you know, my mid twenties where I'm at a point, I think where a lot of people around me are starting to give up on their dreams actually. And I'm saying this sadly, but you know, you start to grow up and you have bills that you need to pay and you've got, you know, a life that you start to build. And, and so you start working for, you know, companies and having to get a paycheck. And, and a part of that is also then maybe you give up on that dream that you always had to be a, a, a you know world class dancer or pianist or whatever it is you know whatever your trade was, but to still stay driven like this is what I love and I'm gonna make it work. That's I mean that's living a life that is incredibly alive. Yeah, you know doing what you love it's special. It's a living life. It's yeah. like you can't just be on the up and up all the time because you need those lows to feel the highs. Yeah. Like you have to have that roller coaster ride and it's like you're not striving for the lows, but you you're going to have them inevitably and you need them to be like, "Oh damn, I was there. Now I'm here." Mm. And I'm probably going to be there at some point in some aspect again, but like I'm going to get back up. You said you're 28? 26. 26. So I, I was talking to a, a young kid the other day who was 28. And um, it popped into my head. I said, oh man, my most, um, so 2005, I was born in 77, 87, 97, 2005, I'm what, 27 years old? 20, what's the math on that? 28 years old? Yeah. 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 I said, the most important mistakes I made in my life was after 29. Hmm. Like the ones I learned from the most, like the ones I look back on now and say, holy shit, like those were terrible. Like those are, those are shitty things to go through, but I needed to go through those. We're all before 29. No, they were all after. They were all after. So like you haven't even hit that point yet. Yeah. And I really felt like my 30s was this like wake up call. 
I felt like for me, like the 20s was this moment of like, oh, dude, I'm invincible. Like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be, I'm going to be successful. Nothing's going wrong. Yeah. And in 30s, you're like, this is real. Yeah. Like, all right, I might be in a little bit of trouble here. And you start making some stupid decisions, but then you start wising up and learning from it. That block of 30 to 40, um, it was critical. Did I, did I love it? There were parts of it I loved, right? Like my kids. Yeah. That was the bulk of my kid's life right there. My marriage, that was the bulk of my marriage. Trans, we, we lost our home in that period of time. Sandy took our home from us, right? So like it literally, Hurricane Sandy wiped out our apartment in the city. We, were, we had to move back to Long Island. We moved, lived behind my parents rent-free for three years. And I had to live off, I had to live off my, the sale of, I ended up selling my home. And uh, I had to live off that and not take a salary for almost three years. So like there were times where like, you're like, okay, we have love, we have happiness, we have our family. And that's what kept me, my dogs. That's what, like coming home and seeing like my family. Like that's, yeah. that's what allowed me to be like, all right, this is, come on, man, come on, man, come on, man. But 29 to 40, that was where I felt like some of the most valuable lessons I learned happened in that period of time. And if I didn't go through that, um, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble now. Mm. So for people that I speak to that are 26, someone the other day, 28 years old, who was telling me they're a little bummed out, they're making a career change. And I'm like, dude, seriously? Like you have, like life hasn't even started. Like yeah. for, for me at this point, I felt like life was just starting. 20, 29 is a weird year, but that was that was the year. That was around the year, you know, I had my first child. And that was around an the ask year I got if that's when you had your yeah, first child. Yeah, right around when Amelia is 16 now. So yeah, I, I had my first child around that time and I got married around that time and drive like right after that 07, 08 period, we were, we were burning a hundred grand a month, lighting it on fire. Like it was just disappearing for a year. And I'm like, I had to work off over, I, I've talked about this publicly. I had to work off over a million dollars in training. People fronted me money in training. I had to burn that down through personal training. You know how much training you have to do? Like the hours. There's like your 40,000 sessions you oh, said yeah, earlier. People don't understand. Like I was going into work at 3.45 in the morning to train a big wig over at Lehman Brothers. And I was, well, you're not open at that time. I'm like, of course I am. Well, it doesn't say, you're right. I'm the owner. I open whatever time I want. You want to start at 3.45? Yeah. Sign up. We'll start at 3.45. Okay. It was like that type of like I, every cent coming in. I was getting in a car service going to Bedford by 6 a.m. to make 600 bucks to be back in the city by 8.15 to start my day. Three mornings a week. It's like you do these things. People don't want to do it. Oh, what'd you do that for a month or two? Uh, no, I did that for six years. Do that for six years. Sleeping in a car to Bedford uh, uh, up to um, uh, Rye yeah, to work with someone because he was awesome and he paid me well. But these things were... These are things, trainers don't want to go through this. Trainers just want to snap yeah. their fingers, get their certification and start making millions of dollars online. Unfortunately, some of them are because there's some terrible coaches out there that are selling products online and they haven't gone through that. Um, but I think the industry, from that's a different conversation, but the industry will start cleaning up. Quality control will start picking up a little bit when it comes down to who you're hiring online or not. Yeah, but the level of like experience that you have is so... Um, in front of you like it's just like exuding from you when when you step into a room with them it's just like there, there's uh, i've seen a million other trainers and they think they know what they're talking about but it's like you've been through it and thank you yeah so and i still think there's that much that's the exciting thing i'm 46 oh man i'm just getting started like i really feel like in business when i'm doing with my wife right now i just feel like there's so much ahead of us and we're just we're just pumped like i still wake up in the morning and i'm like pumped 
I'm just like, I'm still excited. You can hear it in my voice when we're training today. I'm like, all right, what are we doing? Like I left after that last set. I'm like, man, I could have done hundreds on that. Like, you know, like I, I fell a little short next week. Okay. Hundreds the week after hundred and tens. Like, let's, let's go. Like you gotta keep like part of, part of that thirst. Like I know, I don't want to ever lose that. Um, that complete that word complacency is something my grandfather is like there's three word there's three there's a line that my grandfather used to give me run scare try harder there's no room for complacency i know like i used to hear when i was 14 and i was like yeah whatever grandpa run scared try harder and, and there's, there's no room for complacency that was like he literally you could have tattooed that on my forehead he used to say that to me all the time and i'm like yeah grandpa yeah grandpa okay grandpa stuck with you though oh yeah now i'm like why didn't I like, I should have looked at you and been like, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> like, oh my God, like that was, that's it. How much that comment you made about the realness of life setting in, you know, at that, when you were 29 yeah. and you just had your first child. Yeah. I, I had this kind of epiphany last night. I was, I got in super late and took an Uber to the hotel yeah. and there was this really nice man that drove me there from Bangladesh. Yeah. And, and I just was having conversation with him and you know, it's one in the morning. He's got a picture hanging on his, his mirror of him and his two little girls and he's this guy's grinding right so i ask him i'm like what's the motivation right and he's like provide for my family right i gotta go home and put food on the table for him and not only that but i've got family back in bangladesh that i'm sending money to back every week it's amazing mm -hmm. and so i'm curious like that realness that said in at 29 when suddenly it wasn't just you that were on the line no. now you got a wife and you've got kids you got more people that are depending on you than ever that to me is a realness that's got to set in in that phase of yeah. life that maybe that's that kind that's of shift. Of that's part of it. I also think 30s, I just think there's also this maturity that happens in your 30s and you're just like, okay. 20s is really somewhat of this like, for me, it was a bit reckless. Yeah. Because I'm working, but there is just this freeness. Out of college. Yeah, like, oh, hey, buddy, uh, been working my ass off all week. Want to go to Miami this weekend? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go party. And you're just kind of like throwing it around a little bit and having fun. And mm -hmm. um, it was great, but it, it wasn't like it was a part of my life. I'm glad I had, but you know, I'm more happy now just being home, mm. just not and not having that volatility and waking up on the weekends and feeling really good. Yeah, and training, running, or this morning we played hockey early, and then you know getting get with training session with you guys, and I'm working in between and. You know, hopefully this inspires some people you know I, I think at the end of the the day like people need to understand like it's going to be okay like it's like you just gotta like i think part of this really is is like trust your gut and go 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 but you gotta be smart about it though like you at a certain point you got to turn around and assess like am i being an idiot here yeah. like if i've just been like am i like am i making the right de decision and but you have people around you you have friends around you if you your mentors like no man like i remember when i started a, i started a second business while everything was kind of a little awry and i had one of my buddies uh jerry cardinal he owns a company called redbird capital and yeah. he killed me for mentioning his name i don't care um <laughs> i love i love the guy but he turned to me and he was like are you out of your mind and I'm like what are you talking about he's like you are a gym owner what is this digital bullshit mm. focus on the gym focus on the gym and i'm thinking to myself well you don't understand because yeah. i'm starting this digital business to help give my gym some cushion. He was right. He's 100% right. Like you can't be in 100 different places at once. You got to be like you you got we were talking about the person that you met with the other day, Kenny, like find if you have that product, you got to go all in. Yeah. And you can't turn around and you and you can't have all this external noise. Um this show, have you seen the show called The Bear? 
Mm-mm. Oh my God. It's this, um, it's this new show on Hulu. I binge watched it throughout the rain this weekend. Please watch it. It's your homework assignment, both years. It's about a Michelin starred chef who, whose brother commits suicide and his brother owns this like crappy restaurant and his brother leaves the restaurant to his other brother, who's the Michelin star chef. So the, so his brother, who's the Michelin star chef, comes in, takes over this dysfunctional restaurant that's having money problems with this dysfunctional staff, but the chef has this level of excellence. So the movie's about, the, 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 the series is about the chef that comes in and he demands this level of excellence out of all of his employees and they all start rising to the occasion uh, and they all start changing and they all start going to culinary school and they like, they now renovate and they raise money and they all start turning into like monsters. And there's a pastry chef. He, chef, he goes to Copenhagen and he studies and he learns. And he comes out, get the chills, turns into a monster. But these chefs were, there was nothing else in their life. There was like their life, like this pastry chef, like went to Copenhagen. He was dreaming about donuts, making donuts. He was dreaming about the presentation and how to make it delicious. And he was like, how do I be the best? And they all wanted like everything that they ended up doing. I got through two seasons of it and we're waiting for the third season to come out, but they literally created this place, which was like this level of excellence. And hopefully it continues to elevate. But when you look at someone who is truly passionate and they dive into something and they're like, this is it. There's nothing getting in my way. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or, you know, you remember like, it's golf. Mm-hmm. It's only golf. And they're just like obsessed and go, 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 go. Or it's like fitness, nutrition, and boom. And it's like, I, I do believe there's other things that need to happen in your life at a certain point. But to become that great, like there is no, you know, my buddy Wally Serbiak played in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Cleveland Cavs. Cleveland Cavs. I mean, we were, um, he was in my wedding party. Really good friend of mine. He's a golf fanatic. Yeah, he Morgan's played with him. And um, I remember on Friday nights when we were going out in high school, we'd be like, hey, man, we're going for pizza. He'd be like, no, we, we, I'm running with my dad. We, you know, his dad, uh, Big Walt, was a serious, he played in the NBA and the ABA. And he's like, no, I'm going down to the St. Mary's. You know, we have pickup games tonight. And I'm like, well, who you play with down there anyway? He's a couple pro guys. Well, he's like 14, 15 years old at the time. Well, who are you playing with? He's like, well, Chris Mullins down there and John Starks and all these guys are showing up. So while he's there, 14, 15 years old, showing up, playing ball with NBA guys mm. at a young age. He's running with these guys. While he wasn't going out drinking, yeah. while he wasn't going out meeting girls at that time, he wasn't doing that stuff. He was, he was like, no, this is what I want to do. So when I was watching that show the other day, I actually got really like attracted to the fact that this person was sitting there looking at desserts, like walking home from work, staring into pastry windows, like envisioning what can I create from this? Well, and that to me became, that to me was like special. I'm like, wow, like that, when someone is that passionate about something that they, that they go all in to me, I think is a really special thing. I agree, man. Wow. It's, it's such a lesson because for me, like I'm very scatterbrained sometimes, especially like not being in golf full time. My brain, I, I'm a cre- I love creating mm-hmm. and um, I have a lot of visions and it's like this thing that just keeps coming up and being like, you got to have one main thing and just do it right. And uh, like, I know what that is in my life. And um, yeah, it's just, 
But I think also was, like I think also having someone to help you get organized. Right? Totally. Because yeah. we need create. Like, you need creatives that are I'm coming creative, up. And I, right. Yeah. I, there's no one I love hearing more from than Morgan when he calls me and says, "I got an idea." I got an idea. <laughs> but like, but like, I'm the, but I'm the, I'm the creative epic. and Mel executes. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. why my business, our business, took off is because I'm the creative and Mel's like, "Oh, I, I yeah, I can put this. I can make yeah. this happen." Yeah, I need that. Like, and that's where like that's you find that and I think that's important but yeah. there's too many creators out there that can't get it together but you will find that like that's who you are because you know because you're 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 relentless yeah like you won't you won't stop until you do what you want to do like you're you're not one of these people that's just going to be like oh okay I'm going to futz around the corn ferry and make a, you know, a couple bucks a year and be happy and practice golf like it's not who you are like you need to be boom 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 i don't think you'll ever be that way yeah no chance i think you could if i dropped if i dropped a billion dollars in your lap i don't think i don't think you things would change maybe you fast track the build and all these things that you want to do but i still think that you're we talked about you're, it today yeah, yeah, did. <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah am i right i mean i'm, yeah, I'm right you no, I, I, if but if i had a billion dollars like it's it's just a million dollars. Like I still want to achieve things in my life and right. make people, right. not make people, show people that they can heal themselves. Right. And then they have more power within them than they could ever imagine. And that's like really what's my purpose in life, right? Like it's, we're all, we're all curious, the, the three of us about like bettering other people and bettering ourselves first, but, and showing by example, yeah. really how to get there and, and learning along the way. But yeah, it's it's a great lesson to to really ask yourself those hard questions. Which it's funny saying that it's a hard question. I'm like, okay, if I had a billion dollars, what are you gonna do now? We'll get a jet and we can go be places quicker. I mean, I'll be flying. <laughs> I'll be flying a jet around myself. That's yeah, for you'll sure. be flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, we'll yeah. get a jet and we'll just get there faster. Exactly. We'll, we'll work more, waste, more efficiently. Waste less time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Awesome. I heard a good wisdom on this topic, though, the other day of someone who ideates a lot and is very creative, which I can relate to as well. And it's, it's, it, it honestly, as I'm thinking about it, it, relates a little bit to something you were talking about earlier today about making those little decisions each day, like to get back on the train, right? So it's like, when do you want to start? Well, let's choose something better to eat tonight. It's that one in a row theory, right? But what he was talking about to me was becoming a finisher. Right. Meaning like if you have these ideas at some point, really see one through and become a finisher of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that was coming up for me as I was listening to you guys and hearing you talk about the passions in your life as you've grown is you've had really you've had certain people in your life that have been really consistently there for you or. Um, you know, kind of people you could go to. And one of my best friends back home, Trent Jones, um, said to me the other day, and I shared this with you in the car today, um, to think of almost a mental boardroom that you have of who are those, you know, handful of people that you can go to that lead a life. And this, this is probably the most important part, that lead a life that you look up to, yeah. right? Because then you're going to people and talking to them and having concerns about, you know, where should I turn right or left here? And you're listening and hearing from people that you also look up to, yeah. right? And are leading a life that mimics what you want to be in. I don't know how that lands with you guys. But no, those it's are, surrounding. Is there, are you asking, is there someone? Could be someone, it could be several. Yeah, I think there's, I think you, you look at, you look at different lives and you, and you, okay, okay, okay. Like there's, 
I'm pretty comfortable who I am and where where I'm at in that sense. And that doesn't mean like I'm not looking at other people. Like I'm I'm inspired by people. Yeah. Like one of them, I'm gonna drop a big name, and he's someone very close to me. Ryan Reynolds like really inspires me. Guys, up. Um, he's unbelievable, but for so many different reasons. Like him and his wife inspire me. Like mm. Blake is has been one of the most solid women in my life that's not family related. I mean, she has been like such she's been so incredible for me um and ryan has been so inspiring and even through COVID, the support that they showed me the worry that they had for me and how they were like okay we're here to help and always putting posts up for me on their page mm -hmm. and doing these things that were so unselfish and it was just out of love and just but watching their i mean they have four kids and um they have successful businesses and how they treat people and how charitable they are and to do that on the scale that they do it on i think is so inspiring yeah um that to me is is something i look at and go wow like that's that to me is really impressive. and they're probably the ones that really impress me the most and there's others celebs i work with that i find incredibly impressive because they're just amazing people but i think what they're doing from a business standpoint and a family standpoint globally yeah it's Epic. like it's like wow it's like a, like even what ryan's done with Wrexham to be able to go into this town and yeah is he massively successful sure everything he's doing is making a difference yeah everything from even aviation gin like he sold the company and there were all these specific you know drivers or people that helped him along the way that he contacted and he was like we're going to take care of you and they're wow. like what like things that like he didn't have to do or the, the the charitable things that they do that they don't talk about that they're not posting on social media for recognition right they do it underneath you know uh, you know underneath um the table i've got stories about blake where you know she's showed up to hospital beds of people that you know unknown hmm. people that needed specific surgeries that suddenly just happened and never talked about these stories it's like when you look at people do good like that and they're not looking for a pat on the back that to me i admire when when a guy can go into a city in wales that's basically the city's fading people's jobs are they're losing jobs and their and their hope is the soccer team he resurrects the city to the point where it's become a global it's, name and, it's insane. and i remember last year going on social media and seeing that it outperformed yeah. Wrexham, which was a fourth or fifth tier team it outperformed manchester united that day on social media interaction oh my god like, yeah could you imagine like do you, do you know what he's done for businesses there him and rob and They've, they've allowed businesses there, restaurants, bars, to double, triple in business. They've allowed these players to provide for their families. They've allowed the city now to rebuild. Like yeah. he's, he's like, to, to see someone make that type of difference globally to me is like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like, it's not about it going in his pocket. It's about like, wow, look at the change that they're making. So that to me is, I think if, when you asked me that, that was immediately the first thing that I thought about. Mm. Um, that popped into my head of names that people would would know. I I relate that back a lot too, though, to where you are today, and what you've built today. And I think one of the hardest things to do, especially in a service industry with an individual, is to scale oneself. Right? You've yeah. only got twenty four hours in a day as an individual. So when you're a trainer and you hear this all the time, go back to money. You know, well, how can I make more? How can I scale this? Yeah. And you've built an incredible model here of scaling you and yeah. your team around you. Yeah 
Talk a little bit about, you know, where you are today. You had this incredible picture in the front room, you know, the challenger group that, that came together, you know, yeah, in that 2020. Was, that, was, I mean, that was really cool. I mean, that was unexpected. I mean, um, March 16th, which was a Monday, I'll never forget it. Uh, 2020, uh, Governor Cuomo at the time, our Governor Cuomo said gyms are closing. And again, my wife was like, you need to build a program. And I'm like, you're right, I do. And we, we was, it was so funny. We, we emptied out our living room. It looked like it was like a fire going off. We're like moving out couches and rugs. And yeah. I'm like in a sleeveless shirt, barefooted with shorts. And I build this program. I literally sit up building this four-week program. And I'm like, you got to shoot this. And she shoots it with the iPhone. And she loads it into a Dropbox. And we start getting calls the next day. And the calls were like, hey, um, would you give us a workout? Cosmo Magazine, Shape Magazine, Men's Health, Men's Fitness, Muscle and Fitness. I mean, there's probably another 15, 20 publications. So I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a workout. What do you want? They're like, could you just give us an arm workout, an ab workout? And I'm like, I'll give you a full four-week workout. And they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, four weeks, body weight, no equipment. It's yours. And they were like, oh my God. <laughs> so... You know, we ended up collecting, I think in the four weeks, we collected about 200,000 emails. Wow. Just like not even realizing this was going to happen, honestly, because who's going to plan for for that? And um, then out of nowhere, I start getting calls from all of these magazines. Like they wanted you to do a live workout now. And I'm like, oh, here we go. In a 30-day span, my wife and I figured, and this is an accurate number, in 30 days, I did between 120 and 140 real-time live workouts. Wow. What? I was doing four to five a day plus my own workout. So it'd be like Cosmo, 11 a.m., Instagram takeover, 45-minute body weight, body sculpt workout, or day two, go. Plus, I think I had COVID that week because I'm walking down and my, my wife's like, you're dying, you're sick. I'm like, I got to do this. Like, this is, this is an opportunity. Like, I'm just going to go in between. I took, I was taking five showers a day because for that first week, because I would literally, I would start teaching and I'm dumping sweat. And after I had to like shower, throw clothes on, I'm like, Mel, get the tripod ready, set it up, set the camera up. And I'd come running down. I'd be like, hey, muscle fitness, muscle fitness, here we go. Don Saladino coming to you. Okay, this is what we do. We have a full body, body weight workout, time under tension. I'm going to talk to you about this is what we need to do. Da, 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 da. 45 minutes to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, 45 minutes, dude, every day for 30 days. Dude. And it was just like, you're capitalizing on this time. My wife's like, why are you working out? I'm like, I got to get my weights in. Like, this is all body weight. I need weight training. Like, I have to do this at a certain point. So, you know, I think I lost probably 10 to 15 pounds that month. I mean, it was literally wow. trying to eat whatever I could and just keep calories in my, in, my, in my body. But those were moments where did not expect to develop this type of, you know, following in that period of time. And then, um, you know, we started offering a free, we offered a free challenge the following month and then people came into my community and they, they didn't realize, it was something I really wanted to do. How can I take the same attention that I would give to like someone I worked with one-on-one -on -one and try and scale us now? So what I did was I started these challenges and what they would get was they would get the monthly workout with videos. They would get a morning video from me answering everyone's question. So if I had a thousand people on the challenge and I had 300 questions, I would sit up for three hours writing down um, Morgan asked about the ketogenic diet. Sammy asked about intermittent fasting. Johnny asked about the difference between a split squat and a real foot out split squat. And they were cues in my head. I would not forget a question. I'd be like, oh, Morgan asked, um, question number one today, day number one, guys, thanks for being here. Uh, day number one, Morgan asked about 
the ketogenic diet. Let me explain it. And I would answer every question on this live Facebook video. And I've done that now every day, five days a week for the last three and a half years. Holy cow. I haven't missed the only, I get three weeks off a year because there's always um, an extra week on certain months. And that's like a week off for us. Otherwise I have not missed a day, not one day. So I offered that into our community in the first year, the challenge community between April and January sent me this big poster wish you guys can see it. Maybe they could put up a little, but it's little thumbnails of all these pictures of all their faces flexing. And it says at the bottom, uh, assembled in 2020. And it's when I started this community at a time when people didn't it's have, badass. Yeah, they, it's didn't, badass. they didn't have, but they didn't have, like they weren't able to go socialize. So now it's like, it's amazing. They're started like on my community. It's book clubs yeah, or like wine clubs, Well, there's an AM group working out. There's a PM group working out. And I bring on special guests on a Wednesday. You should come on on a Wednesday. You should talk to the group. Yeah, It's great. We'll have anywhere from as little as 50 people to as much as we've had as many as 800 people. It's like it depends on the time of year. But talk about inspiring stories, Navy SEALs we bring on, breathing coaches, Hmm. functional medicine doctors. So it's really become a cool little hub for us to be able to coach people to scale. Wow. Yeah, and it all comes back to that love too. I mean, you can see it in you your eyes it, when you talk man. about it. Like you do this because you love it. You gotta love it. You know, you gotta love it. Am I gonna stop one day? I don't know. Probably not. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not my plan. Like if someone asks me, I'm like, I don't know. Like all I'm focused on is now. It's like let's focus on now. Yep. Yeah. I don't think you're gonna stop. Hope not. We're not gonna stop. Never. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Like, you know, maybe as we wrap up in the next, you know, few minutes, like. If there was, you know, I actually, I want to ask the question in two parts and maybe it's the same answer, but when you think about, you know, kids, you know, going through their teens, coming into college, whatever it may be, you know, what is, you know, your biggest piece of advice to them with what you've learned in your life? And the second question I'd ask also is, you know, maybe looking at someone who's going through a big change in their life in their adulthood, right? And maybe it's a career change or it's a big personal life change. Um, we always ask the question of like, what would you say to the kids? But, you know, there's also adults that go through huge changes in life where you don't know where to turn. And I'm curious what your advice is for those too. Yeah, I think we'll start with the kids. First off, just be patient, like follow your, like if, if there is passion and purpose, follow that. Like if you, if, if you love cooking and you want to be a chef, like explore that. If you want to, uh, you know, if law is your thing, explore that. Like, I, I think we need to really if you have, if you're lucky enough to be able to chase something you love, like I would definitely focus on that. There's a lot of people out there that are like, I'm very successful and I don't love what I do, but it, it, it provides and it puts food on the table. And I'm like, okay, great. Like you, you're doing well. And you know, if there's nothing else you want to do, then write it out. And there's other things in life you can find that passion and purpose with, right? Yeah. But like, I think if you have the ability to chase something that you love, do that. Because I think a lot of times we're chasing dollar signs and anyone getting involved in my business for money you're making a huge mistake. Like you can't, like it doesn't like session rates, this and like, like provide value. Yeah. It's a really important thing in life. Provide value. I, I wanted that. people listening. I wanted people thinking of me and talking about me at dinner. Yeah. Being like, this guy has changed my life. Mm. He provided value. Oh, top five most important people in my life. Donnie's in there. Uh, mm. Top five people that would take a bullet for me. Donnie's there. Like this sounds sick. But this is literally what I tried to create. I love it. I wanted that type of value in people's lives. I wanted yeah. people to look at me being like, no, he's one of the most solid people I've ever met. And, and, I, and I wanted that. Does it always work out that way? It can't be perfect, right? But I think that's what I would tell the young, to the young 
you know, teen or someone trying to figure it out. Like, dude, just just add value. Whatever, yeah. whatever you do, if you're sweeping floors, kick ass at it. Yeah. When I was working at Crest Hollow and I was sweeping floors, honestly, you're gonna laugh. Like, I wanted to stand out. I wanted people looking at me, being like, "This kid's a savage." Like, look at how much. Seriously, I was yeah. 13, 14 years old, running around the floor, sweeping like a lunatic, <laughs> or moving around as a lunatic, and people were just like, "This guy's a machine." I was young. It sounds ridiculous, but it's literally like that type of mentality I want. Now for the for the adult, man, I think it's going back to that line. It's all going to be all right. Yeah. Mm. I have a friend of mine the other day who just you know left a, left a job. He's a very smart guy. He's got a great attitude. He's like, I'll find something. Is there a little fear in there? I'm sure there is. There was for me, but the, you also like if you sit there, worrying is not going to get things done. You got to become relentless. You got to be organized. What I respected about him is he's like, yeah, I'm out of work right now. I'm getting paid for it, but I'm treating every day like I'm working. Yeah. So there's, a, I'm waking up at a certain time, meeting at a certain time. I'm training at a certain time. And guess what? I'm job hunting at a certain time and I'm relentless. Like, bravo. Like, that's what you got to do. But I think what happens sometimes is we just expect to be saved and we want things to fall in our laps. It's just not the reality. Yeah. It really is. That's true. You got to work, true. man. I guess, man, thank you for sharing all that stuff the last thing we have to we'd really love to hear is about the title of this podcast it's called i can fly wow and there's we like to ask each person um as our guest what that means to you if you verbalize that or kind of talk about it in your in your own head if you say it in your own head what does that mean to you is there a time in your life where you felt like you could fly it's a yes and it's and it's a good feeling i think when you start waking up and you feel like things are just clicking um god it could have been it could have been this week for me like you wake i think this morning it might have happened i'm driving to hockey no seriously i'm driving to hockey this morning kids are good my wife's good i'm like i'm driving to hockey got you guys coming over today my landlord's not beating down my door (laughs) con ed's not shutting my power off my amex works (laughs) works well and I think uh, it's a good feeling. Sometimes you have that feeling, not where there's no stress in your life, because I'm worried about my mother going through her treatments and I'm worried about things. But I think you got to sit back once in a while and be like, doing all right. You know, and this is, um, life's good. And I'm just, let's let's keep it going, man. But let's keep it going. Yeah. Because the second I turn around and say, oh, you know what? Kind of slow today. Let's just do jack shit. It's okay once in a while to say that. Yeah. Once you're three, four, five days in a row on that, it's like, okay, man, <laughs> get your ass off the couch unless it's your vacation. I think Sunday, I literally went to mass in the morning and my wife and I literally got on the couch and we watched two seasons of The Bear from like morning till like, I actually couldn't watch the last episode that that um, that night because Hulu, for some reason, there was a problem with my It wasn't Hulu, the so. same day she read the 1,300-page book. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It, it was. The same day. It was Sunday. She sat there. She's like, I like, hey, the day. read today. She's like, I read 1,300 pages. And she, I was like, well, how do you, how does there pictures? Do that? I mean. No. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, people are going to say it's impossible. She's like a speed reader. I don't understand how she does it. That's insane. She says, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I can't read. I haven't read 1,300 pages in a couple of years. So, but yeah, I, I think that's, I can fly. I think it's really, for, for me, when you said that, it's that feeling. It's like, all right, man, like, keep it going. Let's keep it going. Things are good, but, you know, don't get complacent. Be grateful for what you have. Yeah. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> it's like closing. I love it. Love it. That's as real as it's going to get out of me, so.
Well, real, real quick, if people listening to this want to, you know, find you and get more involved in what you're doing, what's the best way to go about it? Probably Don Saladino. Uh, go to donsaladino.com or my Instagram's Don Saladino. You guys can email um, email me. God, DM me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty good with DMs. So if you DM me, you got any questions, want to learn more about what I do, I'll answer you. You know, minus the weird pictures or some of the weird stuff I get on IG. <laughs> Try and pike that down a little bit. My wife's filtering that now. <laughs> Good stuff, man. This what guys, you guys are awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate, appreciate you guys, you and I love you. Yeah, awesome. love you. No, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.